Hello, and welcome to Scuttlebutt, the war movie review podcast. We're happy to have you with us as we take a look at films from the dawn of cinema to today. We aim to provide a raw and unapologetic review of each film's cinematography, historical accuracy, and delivery. In the process of analysis, certain details will be revealed. These spoilers are only divulged to ensure a fair assessment of each film. We drive east to the Volga this week with Joseph Vilsmeyer's 1993 Second World War epic, Stalingrad. As always, I'm joined by Mike A. Hello. Mike B. Yes, sir. And Nate. It's here. It's finally here. Yeah, it is here. So guys, what'd you think? Well, I think, unfortunately for Michael, I think he should lead. He'll also give us a chance to test the microphone. So, <laughs> Well, um, so yeah, as I've talked to you guys before about this movie, um, this is a pretty popular movie amongst war films, you know, especially people who are into, uh, you know, German war films. And I'd never really had the chance to see this from beginning to end. For some reason, I would always, when I would try to watch it, I'd always have to stop it for some reason and um, to do something else, you know, just busy. And uh, that was years and years ago, so... It was nice to finally get to watch it again, watch it from beginning to end this time. And I thought it was pretty damn good. You know, I thought it was pretty solid. Um, I don't really, I can't think of anything at the moment where I could really criticize it. I thought for what it was trying to do, which was, I think it was one of the first films to try and pay some kind of homage or some kind of, you know, um, uh, you know, try to show the German army in a, in a good way in some, in some way, even though it shows them in many bad ways in this film too, trying to show, trying to, you know, not just show them as villainous, I guess, you know, I think this was a movie that was trying to really drive that, you know, don't blame the soldiers necessarily. Um, and, uh, I think it does a really good job of that. I think it has a lot of really interesting things in it and, uh, it's very, uh, you know, it, I, I also really liked how it ne- it doesn't vilify the Russians either, because that happens sometimes with, you know, German war films that they, I try and, you know, say, well, this was the enemy. So we have to, you know, but like I did think that the Russians were also depicted very, very well, uh, both Germans and Russians. So coming out uh, swinging with this, I would say it's pretty freaking solid. It's good. And uh, I will pass it to the man dressed for the hour, Mr. B, even though unfortunately no one can see it, but he is decked the, out. The poke's got to go because it's like it's <laughs> fucking up my hearing and it's scratchy. And it's I was going to say, you, you are fucking decked out, dude. But I'll, I'll do it after the intro. <laughs> okay. So I'll be yeah. in there. But everything else is okay for now. But uh, no, I agree. And so I had seen this years ago and I, I was like, yeah, the same thing. I was like, it's really good. And all the points that you hit, I agree with. And but. I do have criticism about it because there's some parts that I didn't remember fully that I thought were, they fell very short. It was like, uh, so basically in my opinion, the first hour was very good. It fell short for about 25 minutes and then it got good again. Mm. As far as like, um, just macro and micro level details. Uh, but it overall very good. And, yeah, like you said, I didn't. I like that it didn't vilify either side. It was just this situation fucking sucks. <laughs> yeah, like to, for everyone, it's it just fucking sucks. Nobody wins. So and and it it, it, it kind of um it it um points to some of the psychological shit too, which I did like because in in ninety three nobody well not nobody I shouldn't say that it's a very blanket statement. Very few popular war films get the psychological aspect 
mixed in with a film without going so far that way where it's just a psycholo- like Apocalypse Now, mm-hmm. in my opinion, is like all psychological. And yes, the, the, the practical and all that shit is like whatever, but... So this film, in my opinion, um, combined those two, like the situational shit and the psychological shit, very well. Um, yeah, for intro, that's good. Uh, Nate. Uh, yeah. It's funny. Um, this is probably like the 47th time I think I've watched this. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I fucking love this movie. Um, before we start all this about... Uh, about two years ago I think it was like this was probably one of like the top movies that I would probably like recommend that would probably be like 10 out of 10 like perfect it still is to give somewhat of a spoiler of what I think about it but I mean it's interesting to see how digesting all these other war films over the last two years has made me kind of realize some of the things I, I don't particularly like about it but it's not like critical. It's not. Um, <laughs> it, it's it's not like Hyena Road <laughs> or anything like that. Thank God. But it's like it, it just. There's a lot of really key points that I think are really cool and really interesting about it. I mean, I'll echo the same thing Mike and Mike said. Like they don't portray you know anyone as the bad guy in that sense, but like 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 demonizing in that sense. Um, most sides, whenever you pick a side, there's always has to be like some kind of villainy and, you know, kind of, you know, demon side. It's a very much a film that I don't think there are a few other films that kind of hit the same level, but there is such a high quality of caliber for this film that just, I can turn it on any time and I end up trying to get something done and I don't get anything done because I end up watching the damn thing. So it's just, it's just a wonderful example of i think attention to detail um that i know there's some little things here and there but in terms of like the quality of film it is really remarkable to go back and watch it again and see the caliber of props and and settings and pyro and just all this other stuff that we just can't see anymore in this day and age and i think that is what makes this this movie kind of really last in my eyes there's more to it but that's kind of like my opening thing for that. Um, Brian. This has always been one of those movies that like, at least in reenacting has been revered. It's like, Oh my God, dude, that's fucking awesome. You have to watch that. And so, yeah, just like Nate, I've probably seen this movie at least 20 times and uh, it still holds up. It's very interesting film. You know, I probably hadn't seen it in like two or three years, but uh, no, I, I don't have a lot to say good about it don't have a lot of bad things about it it's really awesome movie um and it generally follows the story of you know the battle and everything it it does a really good job of getting the feel of it and everything which is why it's awesome um but no it's it's definitely top five german war films and uh yeah it's always hard to go last so to jump (laughs) right into it you know um the fucking soundtrack awesome and this is a lesson in films of how a soundtrack should be applied just enough to make you feel yep, agreed like you're being encompassed by something larger than yourself there, there, there's a theme and the theme 
is in different tones and different different rhythms, but still the theme. It's it's very interesting to kind of go when you look at you listen to the soundtrack and you look at everything and you go oh like there's the same rhythm there's the same theme it's just melancholy or more pumped up or whatever. But um, they also to interject a little bit with that they did when you were supposed to pay the utmost attention and feel uncomfortable there was nothing, mm-hmm. and I I loved that because yeah. most films war films or whatever just films in general like it'll be a soundtrack the whole way through that kind of guides you and how you should feel. But when you have nothing and it happened a lot in this film, it was like, you could, yeah, you know what I mean? Like you're kind of missing yeah. something and you're like, Oh, I should be looking at this. What's going on. Oh, yeah. so Brian, a lot of directors use music as a crutch to get through mm-hmm. scenes and to, you mm-hmm. know, agreed. It's intrusive, really yeah. bad acting and stuff. And that's the problem when in reality in this situation, you know, music is not a crutch. It's, when you really need it to get you through something, you're on your own, just like you would have been in the real situation. It's like, oh, fuck. What do you hear when he's basically drowning in fucking shit in the sewers? Nothing. You hear water because he's in a sewer and he's drowning, you know? That is the soundtrack. Not yeah. like, Lily Marlene! No. You're fucking drowning in a sewer in Stalingrad. <laughs> like, you know? Well, just imagine how how unimpactful the firing squad scene would be if it had music. You know, right. during it, like during that whole thing, all you can hear is just kind of like the subtle wind and such. It's that Good and that, that is theme music. <laughs> it's, it's terrible. It would just ruin it. Damn, but, damn, damn. but the fa- yeah, that's like when you know not to use music is when it's the most impactful. It's yeah, absolutely. Nate, there, there's there's only a few times in this movie where <clears throat> I feel like music is overpowering, but I don't think it's from the music choice or anything like that. I think it's the power of sound editing in '93. Mm, interesting. That's what I think. Because it. it's it kind of this movie. It's funny. This movie is it's made for '93, but it feels like a late '80s film in, in terms of like the quality of product of production and stuff like that. And I and I what I mean by that, I mean like uh, the the movie tends to suffer in my eyes with the music. Uh, since we're on that subject, is when it's overpowered. And there seems to be a lot of examples in the 1980s, particularly, where music is just deafening. And I don't know if that is the lack of control within the editing part, because, I mean, obviously, 93, it's going to be film you know, editing. So it's like, you know, I wonder if it, half of it is, is because of that. Um, but it's not, again, it's not like the music takes anything away. It's not Gallipoli, as we always use as an example of horrible music choice and horrible music editing. It's, it's, it, in terms of, in terms of impacting a scene and whatever and it being too powerful and too loud. Well, I don't want to get off topic from the movie, but when you say like um, that's kind of an 80s yeah. thing, other than Gallipoli, can you think of any other examples? Cause I'm trying to think of some now that you mentioned that. Um, not not nothing that comes to the top of my head but mm-hmm. like normally like when i watch like stuff in the, from the late 80s or early 90s like for example like i've been watching like a lot of i've been rewatching quigley down under a lot <laughs> i love that movie i absolutely <laughs> love my movie it's a guilty little pleasure tom but selleck, yeah. the little tom selleck yeah <laughs> nuns don't work on sundays yeah um <laughs> and so like 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 i love that movie but there's the uh, it suffers from a few scenes where the music's just like wah like in that like just, right. a, a, just aggressive and I don't mean like it's aggressive music it's just 
the music is so loud that I can't hear anything else really oh, going on. One of the best so. uh, directors when it came to he said uh, John Carpenter, who made like the thing and stuff like that. He always said uh, the soundtrack should be wallpaper. You know, it should. You yeah, know, it should be there to to enhance something, but not for you to notice it. Did not. Right. Yeah. And I thought that's a good, and, that's a good and way I, of putting it. And I, and I think and I think that just exactly how you said it. I think there's some scenes in this movie that just the music is so loud, just to be so nitpicky about as an editor or the way I want to digest films. It's like I'd rather hear the people yelling at each other over the music than the music being over the yelling, because there's just some there's some essence like this. And there's a there's a scene where the guy's like trying to get out. He's like trying to make that guy get out of the hole, and he's flailing and going, "No, no, I don't want to get out of the hole. No, no." And he blows up and goes. So long, idiot! You know, and everyone's like that. <laughs> that editing was a little um, clunky. Yeah, like like the music blending is just clunky. I'll also talk. It, well, I'll let Brian go, but I I do want to talk about dubbing in this movie. Yeah. In terms of like, I don't mean like like I also hate English movies, so I never watch. I was watching this original language. Ori- sorry, original language, and this has wonderful real German language. In it, and I always suggest people watch it that way. However, the the real publication of the movie, there are like two or three characters that are overdubbed, and they don't line up at all. And I want to know why so <laughs> well, bad. I did a little, I did, I did a little uh, uh, background research on this, and apparently, a lot of this was filmed in Italy, and well, the, the first scenes in Italy, but like Finland and Czechoslovakia and such, and. Um, a lot of European films, it's only been in the recent couple decades where they've stopped doing the dubbing. Like, Italian films are famous for that. That The way they shot movies was that they would shoot the film and then do the sound later. Even, like, the like they wouldn't record voices, you know, during the scene. They would, like, dub it later in Italian. You know, just the actors doing the... It was just a, it's kind of a European thing. I don't know if this kind of fell into that when it come to, came to came to that or the actors they had might have not been native german and they just their accents sucked so they said well we got to fix that later or something I don't yeah know. that that's that's what i think has happened mm-hmm. ha- happened with it um you know i i i if i remember correctly italy i think still has that law where they they dub it they have to have the dubbing it's, like, it's they really have weird. to redub it yeah, yeah I don't it's know some what it weird is. like like media intake law in, in italy mm-hmm. um James May World or, or Man Abroad of the James May show that that taught me that, <laughs> um, but like that that might be that might be the reason why there's that horrible dubbing because like they, it's that one character it's the captain that had that like oh, his voice does not ne- match up any of his lip movements yeah never. no never it's only that character yeah. so I just don't know yeah why. <laughs> like it's that guy he's just constantly just off sync um, and I, it's only him i looked uh, i just was well, we're talking about because i have the cast pulled up i just looked him up that actor is czech so uh oh he might have been yeah. speaking czech then yeah so maybe or that yeah or he was his german was terrible or something so they had to dub that's it what later. i mean yeah his accent yeah. was just too much yeah yeah again like fucking god or what was it um goldfinger the german or the villain in that is totally dubbed by a scottish guy <laughs> right, and if you listen to the originals, yeah. thank God they dubbed him because fucking he sounds like shit. Great acting, yeah. But, oh no, they do it for a reason. Yeah, they did it for a you reason. know. It, it's um, I guess I guess to launch the conversation, uh, into something I find very impressive every time I fucking start it up, is just real PPSH forty ones, 
real MP40s, mm-hmm. awesome sets. Oh, yeah. Oh, my oh, God. Oh, sets were phenomenal. Some of the best, Ugh. yeah, that I've yeah. seen. Before we get into the battle, because it's so easy to jump into it, I love the beginning. And even though there were no, as far as I know, units from North Africa that were taken and sent to Stalingrad, I love it because it just really shows in a very quick way, you know, how the German military was in the spring and summer of 1942, how they're operating, how they were all over the world. You know, it's even something that Michael like nodded to in his film with the DAC veterans in Italy and and stuff. And so it was really cool that they do so much in such a short span of time. And that sets awesome in its own, because that's something I realized, like, as I watched it this time, it's really a descent into, you know, the battle and the hell of Stalingrad. And it starts with the sun and the beautifulness of Italy and everything. And I just love the contrast, you know, because they allude to it the whole time. It's like, oh, you know, you hate the the desert. It's so sandy and everything. And as Anakin would say, don't even I hate the sand. We got to forget he was at El Alamein fighting the 8th Army. But um, I have failed you, Michael. I have failed you. <laughs> but anyway, um, I just really love the beginning and that set and everything is just so awesome. And how you think it's a model, it's done so well, and then all of a sudden they're riding the train later on and everything. Like it's it's just really cool. And even the train cars are right and everything. It's not like forty and eight cars. It's like no, these are European passenger cars, and it's just I love that. Even before you get into Russia and before you get into the the monotony of you know the Eastern world. So to come out of the Italy thing, that's what I was going to um, kind of the perception I got from it watching it this time is was that unit not on kind of like RRR and like recuperate or rest and relaxation, but recuperation too, like because the, the port, I believe I might have fucked this up. But like, I think that port that the city that they were in is like in north uh, eastern Italy or something like it's that. Where, I'm pretty sure they were alluding to. Yeah, so it's up there, and like I think I, I I don't know what unit they were in. They said they're 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 pioneers, the but like I don't know sixth um, pioneer battalion. Um, yeah, but you can't you don't know what well, part of the thirty sixth infantry division. I actually did look it up. Okay, so is it possible they might have been on our like a recovery as a platoon? Like, in very small numbers, possibly, but they alluded to in the film like their regiment was got that, them to El Alamein I mean. and they were taken. The, the thing is, the way the situation was so precarious at the time, which is something we'll get into later on, which is a big part of that mm-hmm. with Stalingrad, is no units were taking out of North Africa like that. Whatever they sent from North Africa, they couldn't okay. take out of North Africa. So everything they so, sent... But like you said, a, only, platoon, a platoon would be fine. Like, if you got a bunch of guys wounded... you get some survivors, you might, yeah, you get, like, yeah. you know, that's fine. But the way that but they as far as the regiment, like, they pro- your yeah, regiment okay. has been taken out from Egypt, mm-hmm. and it's like, no, that's too much of an empire. That's too much of a, like, everything's perfect, we can match and match. No. They sent two and a half divisions yeah. to North Africa in 1941, and they just sent yeah, replacements for the whole time. Yeah. The 17th Panzer Division, or whatever it was, stayed the whole same. The 5th tenth, the tenth fi- and the... The 5th and the yeah. whatever it was. There, but there were two main ones, and then there were some yeah. light ones. But yeah, they only sent replacements the whole time, until the Falschmega showed up in November of 42, which plays into this story as well. Those are the only real replacements that showed up in North Africa. So they wouldn't have so, pulled the so regiment. To out say they were in nor- uh, northern Italy or whatever for a recoupment and refitting, I guess, thing would be kind of like bullshit. It would be very, very, very tricky. Okay. Again, guys that went to North Africa really stayed, you know. Sure. To get yeah, a retread yeah, yeah. that early, it would be really hard. 
43? So yeah. The, yeah. You, you get retreads. Kursk? Oh, fuck yeah. But this is just a little too early. Yeah, so that, that's... Uh, I, I, I knew about half of that, but like I just want for our listeners to understand that at the beginning of the film when they're all just having fun as a unit, like as a... I think it was their battalion. Yeah, because there was artillery guys and there was whatever... Because they're engineers, they're or the pioneers, Strom pioneers, and it's like they have that big formation, which we can we'll get into in a second. But like, you see all the different guys, but it's a huge unit, and they would not have been pulled off the line in Africa, even when they no. were getting fucked. There were units so. though that would have a very nice existence that before they went to Russia, like a lot of false schmiggers that jumped on the Crete, they ended up at Neva, like three four months later, which is some of the worst fighting outside of Leningrad. Um, like a lot of the Gebirgsjäger units that fought in the Balkans. They had a good time yeah. in Mediterranean Greece before they went to Russia. Um, and even technically in Crimea, all those guys were issued fucking DAC uniforms and tropical shit. Even Kuban, which is not that far away from Stalingrad, because it's basically a huge fucking swamp. Yep. Um, yep. You know, so you do get this funny warm Mediterranean feel, even though you're in the East or whatever. But I just love the beginning, regardless of, of that little. Yeah, no, I'm not. Back. I'm a disagreeing yeah, with you on just, that. Because you get the sun yeah. and you get the frost. And it's yep. just like this. It really reminded me, in a way, of a watered down apocalypse. Now, like you, you guys, yeah, it's a good contrast. Yeah, know? it's like it, it is because it's like you get the kind of it's the attitude as well of like, hey, life is good, man. We finally got some rest. We're good to go. We're just enjoying life. We're flirting with broads. We're fucking them once in a while. We're drinking wine, eating cheese, soaking up the rays, reading books. The weather's nice, and then all of a sudden it's like, but here's the thing: is one day that can all change. And if that was like a that, unit that yeah. hadn't been fighting in Africa, that was just stationed in Italy, and they're like, well, hey, I think that's kind of what they might have been going for, but it, because they, they constantly said, yeah, we were in Africa. Like, remember that time in Africa? Mm-hmm. Okay, so. But, like, yeah, it's like, oh, well, now you're going to Russia. Oh, Russia, we'll be there in three three weeks, and we'll be back home. And I, uh, I love okay. how they don't kill off the former lieutenant as well, how he's there lingering. He's as But like, he's, like, messed up. Yeah, yeah. but he's like, I want to go with you guys. Like, I want to go with you guys. And they're all but like... But he can't, yeah. Yeah, but, yeah. like, that's... And, and it gives this yeah. idea of, like, a temporality of a combat situation. Of, like, mm-hmm. oh, we're getting in there, we're going to do the job. We got into Ebon Emil, we did it. We got into here, we did it. We got into there, we did it. Okay, now we're, we're going to Russia, we're going to do it. And it's like, oh, we're yep. going to make the Russians swim in the Volga. Like oh fuck you know that uh, that mo- that that opening scene with the there the guy in the wheelchair the original mm-hmm. like not like it's not just that he's he has like a busted leg or something he's supposed to be like fucked up right like his head's like messed up right I think they said he like he got concussed or something. okay yeah, yeah he kept, he's he kept, acting like, like kinda, that and no yeah. really quick though the acting in this film absolutely fucking phenomenal because yeah, you can great sell actors. anything like that because yeah he was like out of it and all of his guys knew he was fucking just done like completely fucking done. And he's never going to be the same. So, yeah, yeah and that's really why important. it's like, yeah, I, I want to go with you. Oh, just, and they're like, no, nah, here, go over here. Yeah. Like, it's it's really interesting, though, because talking about the actors, and I, I kind of think we should probably go in a little bit in order, as close to sequential order in the film as we can tonight. That, that's why I said for later, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, like, all the casting is very interesting because they're German actors that you only other than, I can't remember his name, but the guy who plays Fagelein and Downfall. Thomas Kretschmann. Thank you. Yeah. He's in everything. Yeah. I mean, he's always the German soldier. Unfortunately, he's in Stalingrad 2013, the only good part of that movie. <laughs> he's in the that one as well. He's the only one that's in both of them, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but he's in, like, everything playing, like, a lieutenant. Yeah. Normally. And this was one of his very first roles within, I think, that realm because, like, he, fuck, he's even in Valkyrie. Yep. He's awesome in Valkyrie. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> you know, like, it's just, I, I think 
it's just like but it's but i say that because i i don't i've never really ever seen any of these any i've never seen any of these actors in any other thing he's also the and i wonder he's also the i wonder the, if it's oh sorry nate go ahead no it's okay i i i was just gonna say like i wonder if it's just like a european regional thing where these were not you know obviously didn't get into hollywood actors but i wonder if they've been in a lot of european stuff because i just i've never really seen any of them anywhere else probably Look i would say so. yeah they've been in a ton I, of shit yeah probably okay. um I started laughing because he's also the the, the villain in U five seven one. Thomas Kretschmann is. Oh, I haven't seen that yet. <laughs> oh, he is. Yeah, that's him. The, Fuck. Yeah. yeah, he is. Yep. I yep. I have that over there to watch. I haven't oh, watched God, it yet. Don't. So, yeah. It's so bad. <laughs> it is that is a terrible movie? <laughs> Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> you got to drown if you're gonna save us, okay, kid? That's the last plot device. Oh. Yeah. The, the, the guy movie. from from Stalingrad is is the bad guy. I think in I that. might have seen that <laughs> well, theaters. I was like, eight. The, so it's like it's like I wonder how many of these German actors, and and well, German such Austrian because Kevin, I'm going to throw you under the bus if you're listening to this. I wonder how many times you're going to get cast nowadays as being a German <laughs> soldier from World War II. Because let's let's be real. I mean, anything's better than that Spanish war helmet he had uh, on. So. No, yeah. it was Bulgarian. It was Bulgarian. Bulgarian. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was. It, it was, was not good, but. But um, yeah. it, it's like I wonder how many like German actors in general are just like cast by American companies to be like, hey, you speak? Oh, you're native German? Okay, cool. Can you can we play a German soldier? Right. Yeah. <laughs> you no, know what I mean? I, I've often thought about that with every German actor I encounter. Like, okay, how many German soldiers have you played from World can War? Can you II? be Nazi number four? Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, he's also uh, Thomas Kretschmann. He's also the guy in The Pianist uh, who saves him at the end. Yeah. yeah. Oh like, yeah, I, yeah. Yeah. That was yeah, that was yeah, a. Yeah. That was a ride. That movie was right. Anyway, let's Hell get yeah. back on track. The, but this was, I think, kind of his first. This was probably the first one where he was like, you know, and he German fucking killed officer. it. Yeah, he's he great. fucking killed it. So yeah, yeah. Um, so we're the, yeah. Well, I was gonna say just to lead off the props, I'd be mm-hmm. going. I guess going into Stalingrad. I mean, like the, like Brian said, the trains are unbelievably cool. Yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're so cool. And and it goes back to my intro comment. Choo-choo, well, we've never seen. We've never. <laughs> we've never seen a movie with this production scale with this amount of real war props and sets. Well, they did research so well. That's the thing. Yeah, and so well. It's it, cuz like those yeah, the car they're not they're not the 48 cars. They they are cattle cars, but the way they had them actually set up in real life was like a barracks. And that's what they portrayed in this film. Like you've got your bunks, you've got a you know, you got a, a heating device whatever. You're good to go. Weren't they like armor plated too? And like they had like because those trains in that in the, when they're taking off, they're very different from like just cattle cars. There's no, no, like no the train or something. The cars themselves or... were not, as far as I know, but like the actual engine and like the the um, uh-huh. the vital parts of the train were usually armored, and they showed that in this film, which was awesome. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, like as far as the cars, because they on, yeah. they were changed so much. So as right. far as I know, like they would take the shitty cattle cars that normally they just throw people in like mm. all, all militaries did this in world war one and two, but they would actually take the time to like, be like, okay, well we can fit 40 guys in here and eight uh, horses, which is what the number comes from. I know you guys know that. I'm just saying for the audience, but they would go, okay, well we'll just put like 15 guys in here, but we'll have amenities in these cars. So it's like they can travel for a long time and still be okay when they get there. And that's what they showed in this, and it was fucking awesome. It was better than a troop ship, in my opinion, because they also have ventilation. As you can see, like there's a door, and it, you're moving, 
So you have this like hot, stagnant, shitty air, and everybody stinks, but it's like you still get ventilation and whatever. And if it's cold, close it a little bit more because you've got heaters in there. So, Brian. Yes, uh, I'll start off with this. If you guys want to talk about Nazi trains and logistics, we could, I could have a whole fucking two-hour, 15-episode podcast <laughs> just in its own. I, I know way too much about it. Uh, but yes, you guys touched on some of the surface elements of it. Um, uh, I wanted to say, let's get all the Farby stuff out now because I made a list of everything I saw that was bad. Um, but before, and for fun, before that, though, so yes, trains. So... Logistics is very interesting, Nate. And basically, you know, Mike was totally hit the nail on the head. They would build basically like little barracks into train cars, you know, into the sides mm-hmm. of them and everything. It wasn't always this horrible situation for like POWs, as people, everyone thinks. Like, oh, we were thrown into these cars, and then it was horrible and everything. It's like I, I love I love the Lafette with the gun on that there. Was, yeah. like, well, I've never on, really on, seen on the door that yeah. you know, but I did love that they're yeah. all in it and everything. It was so fucking. They, cool. they would have had a machine gun or something to yeah. Like if I, they're yeah, there's yeah. always a machine gun in the background of a lot of these. It's so fucking cool. But uh, long story short, so Europe uses a different gauge railway than Eastern Europe. And when you get to about, I know in the northern part, it's Riga is the real change in uh, Latvia or Lithuania. I might be getting that wrong, or Estonia, but one of the uh, Baltic states. And then um, down south, I think that the changeover is around Kiev, or that's the easternmost point. So once you get to that point, especially during the war, you can't use European locomotives. The gauge is, I think, half an inch or an inch wider or smaller. It's narrow gauge versus large gauge. So everything has to be detrained and put onto railway cars that are ready for that railway. Talk so about a pain in the ass. Yeah, now try to go fucking invade a country. Yeah. And you know, and use their logistics and everything. And so it's a fucking nightmare. And some areas have smaller gauges than that even. So long story short, when they were in Russia proper, they wouldn't be using like a a Medal of Honor style like armored train. Because all that stuff was made for, like, Europe proper. You know, like, European gauge rail. And they were converting a lot of the rail during the war. They tried. I think they converted a few hundred miles of it. A few thousand miles at the most. But they never got to where they needed to be. But it was a huge problem. So, long story short, they definitely would have been in rail cars like this. That they showed Mm. in the film. They would have been Russian engines, definitely. Probably manned by Hiwis. Which were the Russian soldiers or civilians that helped out the german military all over their occupied territories and in germany proper um but uh even then you know the set is so fucking awesome with the expanse of russia and just how crazy it is in everything those uh those scenes um when they're on the train where we get like in the interior of the boxcar and it's going from man to man and guys are shaving and eating and such um, when you look out the the door, you can. It almost looks like are they actually shooting like in a car, like a, a train car that's moving? Like it looks real. It, it, it doesn't does, look like yeah. a. It doesn't look like a green screen outside. So well, I really wonder when they shot this because they shot it in '93, so not too far after the wall came down. Yeah, so, uh, the probably they could have shot it in parts of Eastern Germany where it was still, you know, they could destroy it and everything. Because some of the apartment buildings and everything look so Soviet, but they also could have been Eastern Europe at the time. Um, and the train car is the first real time that you see where this movie really shines and it's in the small little moments 
you know, because you have all this chaos and this destruction and this black hole that Stalingrad is, this meat grinder, you know, yeah. that, that you're walking into and experiencing and getting churned up and, and killed in. But these small little things along the way. And the first one is really with the letter the lieutenant's writing, you know, and how it's like he's alluding to how tender he actually is, even though he's like, oh, this new gruff guy and everything, you know, and especially how distraught he was seeing the old lieutenant all fucked up, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of an introduction to what's going on because he um, really wanted to, that guy gone because not because, oh, whatever, he shouldn't be here. Cause he's just thinking about, oh, shit, that's me. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. Fuck, whoops. Yeah, and uh, a bit surprising that even one of the soldiers in the train like says, "Oh, I bet you're going to be dead soon." You know. Oh, right when they have the whole fucking uh, bet in a way, where it's like, "Oh, yeah, you're not worth it's like, you. you'll, you'll you'll be dead before me or something like that." Right. So now that Mike's back, so yeah, I wanted to jump into this. I made a list, and this just goes to show that I don't know that you can get a lot of things wrong in a movie, but still be amazing, and in my opinion, we, we've said know, that a million times. Over like, shine. If, if, if it's a great movie overall, the little details do not fucking matter in my opinion. But so. I, I did keep a list for the hell of it, you know, and it's funny. We've talked about this uh, ourselves not too long ago, but like our ratings have gotten a lot softer as we've done this because we just, the more we make films ourselves and the more we watch this stuff, it's like, it is really hard, you know? So you got to cut some more people slack, but here's some of the things that I saw that weren't right. Uh, OT 810 half tracks, the Czech Mm. half tracks that were used after the war. You see those in Stalingrad proper. They have a turret and armor on the top. T-3485s. Those are the wrong Soviet tanks. Um, The thing is, is that back then and even today, T-3476s are impossible to find. When they're on the train, you see the non-principal characters have East German or West German jackboots on. Uh, they have the rubber soles, and they have no hobnails. Didn't catch uh, that. So, yeah, yeah the, some of the soldiers, as they're talking, they're moving around in the train car. You can just make out their soles. It's pretty funny. Um, <laughs> Moisen PU sniper rifles. That's wrong. They they show up after Stalingrad. It would have been PEs or, um, what is it? PEMs, yes. Uh, let's see. Um, splinter helmet covers. Can I yeah. throw one out to ask? Um, were in the the very first scene in Italy, are they supposed to be wearing summer HBTs? Yes. The drillish uniforms? No, no. Those are the drillish uniform. The drill. Uh, Jesus Christ, I cannot. Drillish. The fish uniform. Drillish. Yeah, but they're HBT. But they're those are made for like training and light duty. And most combat troops were issued wools or the tropical uniform. There, there is a distinguishing difference between the Jewish. You see that a lot in '44 at post Normandy and stuff, like pre and post Normandy. At this point, I'm going to call Farb on that because no fucking way. Okay. Unless you're in like a work unit or some shit like that, you're probably going to be wearing wools or traps. For the idea of what they're doing, it makes sense that they're a rebuilt company in the middle of occupied Italy. But I, I know what you mean. You definitely see no, no. I, I, I know, I know. Yep. You, you, it, it, you could, I guess, but it's the same. I guess it's the same principle as like, would they be there for recruitment as a battalion or regiment? I see the Wonder Bread Santa showed up. Sorry to hear that. The what? I see the Wonder Bread Santa showed up at your house. You're shitting your ass out. 
No, it was it was from yesterday. I know, so. but it was just a joke. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe. Uh, you yeah, slice the Wonder Bread, you're gonna die, just like I would. So it's getting it's getting a little bit worse right now. So I don't Good. know if it, it nice. feels like that. But you're going into your own personal Stalingrad. Yeah, yeah. I was just gonna, I was just thinking that. <laughs> I was just, I'm gonna <laughs> fall into that fucking. I'm gonna fall into that tunnel, dude. You're on the train ride right now. Yep. That's right. Yep. I'm gonna fall into that tunnel of sewage, and you might as well just my life. You might as well just cut the seat of your pants. Flame throws up. Watch yeah. my flame. Yeah, um, no, there, there's something brewing, but that yeah, was just so so you know. Talking about uh, just that, that that was one thing when I was like, their uniforms seem weird, like in that that opening scene. But then when yeah, they're on I the didn't, train, I didn't think that was accurate at all. Okay. For um, whom? Even even for Italy. Okay. Oh, for yeah. Yeah, the drillish uniforms. Yeah. Uh, for yeah, behind, I, it, it depends. But yeah, definitely by 44, I, I know for sure that a lot of the 916th had those because all the guys complained how yes. cold they were at night and they needed overcoats because their uniforms were so thin. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of things. Yeah, and, and that's yeah. what I said. Yeah, but like uh, as far as like late 42 in, or mid to late 42 in Italy, um, that's my opinion, though. It's not a fact, but I'm going to say no. Mm-hmm. Um, so. LP forty two flare guns. Yeah, that was definitely wrong. Right. Yep. Yes. So was, I actually did catch that one. Yep. Yep. Um, and then the only other stuff I really saw was uh, really stupid shit. Like they didn't f- unfold the MP forty stocks, but that's something you do in all these films. And something though you can really argue, but you'll never get this right in a film unless you're super duper niche Nazi. Late candy eight parts. It's a lot of stamped <laughs> candidate parts. And if we're talking about Stalingrad, remember November 42, because we made a film in November 43. And you, you, we call that mid-war, late war. Holy fuck. Was it hard to do the stupid shit right? And like <laughs> you realize that even though it's mid-war, it means like, okay, everything was made at least six to eight. Six months to twelve months before that, if you want to get it really correct, and they've got the laminate stocks like that came out in forty two. It's like nah, forty one, but yeah, same thing. And they, but it's this really stupid stuff. Yeah, but like they didn't start hitting the fields until like forty two because they were like, yeah, oh, we gotta see. It's like it's like the stamp parts as well. Like those mm-hmm. came out earlier, and then it's like, yeah, but by the time it gets to the the actual fighting troops and also the helmets, so they had M forty twos. Now, now just started to show up. Late Stalingrad, they have M42s. But the amount they had in this movie... Too many. Not great. Yeah. Well, and uh, the main character and a couple other people in that opening scene in Italy when they're on their, their information, some of them still have the, the tricolor decal. That's not Farby. Some okay. guys... You see that shit in 45. Some of the old guys, if they manage to keep their fucking some helmet... pop about a surplus, too. Just like here. You okay. Go. Well, yeah, but 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 no. That that in my opinion, that's not bad. So okay, like, but the the lieutenant though, he's supposed to be new, right? He's supposed to have just like he's never seen combat before. What Brian just said. Oh, okay. All right. So it might have popped up, or he might have actually requested it because a lot of guys are full of piss and vinegar. Like, oh hey, can I get can I get you know I want all the 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 the, the Reich's colors. You know I want right. everything on my uniform, and then eventually you see it fades, just like his morale and <laughs> you know. I guess allegiance, but, uh, okay. Yeah. But that no, was the, the only the, time I saw it, by the way, I didn't see it yep. during the battle of Stalingrad. No, because by that, like by late, well, mid to late 1940, they were already like scraping them off. And then the, so some factories would still apply them until about 19. Well, some did 42. The, uh, the tricolor decals were gone by pretty much late 1940 factory applied. But like Brian said, they had all these helmets that had already been made. 
and, and the decals were applied at the factory. So like they would have just issued them out. And in the field, they might have got another unit and been like, what the fuck are you doing with that? Scrape it off or, you know, whatever. Right. Okay. So, so unless not, everyone not totally has bad. one, unless everyone has yeah. one, it's not too bad. Right. That would have been shitty. But like, yeah. no, if there's like one or two guys, you know, one or two times, okay. 80, 90 times. Come on. Do me know what I'm saying. <laughs> Those two get it. You don't. But yes. Anyway. Uh, but yeah, no. So the helmets themselves. They threw repros, like the beginning, like the, did you guys notice that? Like the early stage repros that were being made, I don't know where the fuck they were actually made in the early 90s when people started getting into reenacting a lot for World War II. They had a couple of those thrown in. Most of the shells are original. Mm-hmm. But they had a couple of these like weird fucked up shaped There's some repros. of the extras have ill-fitting ones on. Yeah, and even some of the, yeah, some of the not primary cast, but like not the extras, the yeah, but like anyway, so they like 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 the B grade cast. They yes. also wear their helmets yeah. at such yeah. crazy angles of points; it's hard to tell if they fit right or not. You know, that's true. But also, you see that in in pictures too. Like some of the guys just didn't give a fuck, I guess. But like, and also they didn't overdo that because German helmets kind guys. of have a self leveling thing. You know, like yeah, they might be oh, no, forward a little, back, and they're also fitted sideways to your, to your exact that's, head size. You got to make them sideways. You know, like but there's some guys that that were issued a fucking ill-fitting helmet to begin with that don't give a fuck B. And it's like, so you'll see that, but it's very rare, and they also didn't overdo that, in my opinion. But yes, I did see that for sure in this. Mike? So another thing, that because I'm actually, I have the scene pulled up here, the opening scene where they're getting the decorations. Some of them don't have, like the uh, Thomas Kreshna character, the Leutnant, he doesn't have the rivets at all, and some of them don't have the ventilation holes either. Okay, so those are actually border guard (laughs) helmets. Wow. <laughs> I just inhaled spit. Give me a second. All right. <coughs> One second Fucking burned. Bitch. He was, he was so offended by that question. I got the shits. I'm inhaling. They were borderline. <laughs> they were borderline. So, no, those are the MP3. BGS so much, you know. Yes, yeah. exactly. That's They're the MP3 <laughs> BGS helmets that were designed off of this miraculously, apparently existing M45 design that may or may not have been tested, whatever. It's one of those things, it's like a conspiracy, but like eventually they, the BGS made them uh, ventless, right? There were a lot of those in this film. Also, the color, yes, those are correct for the M35, the parade finish, we call it, it's not a correct term because there was a bunch of different colors, but like the general color they had was the parade uh, parade finish, so it's kind of shiny, um, apple green or pea green, Starting in, yeah, like May or even April of 1940, they started doing the Dunkelgrau with the texture. Well, there was a transition, but anyway, the majority of those helmets in this film would have been dark gray. Okay. The majority of them. Um, that was another thing that I found that I saw, and I'm like, God, they're all fucking green. Which is fine. I love that color, but like, that was, that was, it got to, it, to me, that was way too many fuck ups because it's like, you can't even just get like regular dark gray spray paint or, you know, whatever. You're, whoever was the costume designer wanted everything to look like the awesome. Because again, the German uniform of a combat soldier going into Poland and, and even France in May of 1940 is beautiful. It's it's awesome. You got the nice green shiny helmet with the decals. You got this nice uniform and all that shit. Yeah, but it didn't last that long because A, it was not efficient to produce and B... 
so many guys died or they got worn out and whatever that they would upgrade the uniforms immediately. So in this film, late 1942, the the the, the German uniform going into World War II in 39 and what comes out in 45 is extremely different from when it started. It's very interesting to see the, the, the difference in just the quality and also just like where the polish goes. That's my two and a half hour like... podcast that Brian could do about vehicles and trains. So <laughs> yeah. we're, we're not going to yeah. get into that, but uh, Brian. Especially when yeah. you have a very sadistic friend of yours who reproduces uniforms, who decides to make you M45 uniforms and M45 uniform quality and not tell you about it until he gives you your fitted uniform at said event. And as you're putting the pants on, you blow them out. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> he was like, there's one single row of stitch. Yeah, you see? Yeah, it's only one row of stitch. And I'm like, thank you. This is great. We also only have yeah. 10 standard sizes instead of 100. The high was 17 degrees Fahrenheit for that event, which is like negative 40,000 degrees fucking Celsius for you people in Europe. No, 17 is <laughs> like negative 10 Celsius. Yeah, but for anybody bad. in Europe, that's like, oh my God, you're going to die. So, was that Bowson? Yes. Oh, well, that's that. We'll get into that too, and they showed that very well in this film about the whole being able to acclimate to extreme cold. Because mm-hmm. Europeans think they have extreme cold, unless you're in Scandinavia, go fuck yourself. But before we get right into that, um, so speaking of uniforms and all like the you know colors of gray and everything, what I really like about the factory battle is first how they show the viciousness of urban combat. And how terrible, yeah. Everyone just disintegrates into it. Like it's shot so well and just so wide, and how the camera at points just sits there and they have like, you know, probably thirty to sixty guys responding to explosions. And I just love that. Like there's the one scene where like it's like a crowd mentality. Like they're going one way and then explosions and they go back into the factory. Like it just I love how this is like many just lost into nothing. Because that's you know what combat, that's what Stalingrad really is in a way. Because the word Stalingrad just evokes something, you know? Like, even if you know yeah. very little about World War II. Like, you know, for Michael, it probably evokes two snipers fucking. No. Um, <laughs> it, just, it just evokes... Fuck you. Different things in different people, but it's definitely... Shots fired. It's definitely this <laughs> very pungent word. It's like Iwo Jima or Guadalcanal or, you know, D-Day, Omaha Beach. It just, it evokes an emotion. And it's really like, you know, it's, it's much more than what it was. A battle for a city on the Volga. I think Stalingrad was the single worst battle in human history. And I know it's not prophetic or anything, but like, yeah, it's... From what I understand, it's like the most the most deaths ever caused by a battle, I think, right? Like 1.2 million. Well, not all of them were combat. It was the elements. Right. It was the lack of food on both sides. It was the civilian toll. My God. And they, they, they did touch on that in this film a little bit of the civilians that were, when they were driving in the train or riding on the train rather, and they saw, they're like, Hey, go to work for us. It's like, no, those are people that literally have no place to live because they were kicked out of their fucking homes by whomever, or they had to evacuate and they're just out there in a field and that's their home tonight. Absolutely. You know it's like? So, and, but in actual battle, because I think, what was the population? Well, it was like 5 million or something like that in Stalingrad at the beginning, but like before two. Was it 2 million? Two, I just looked it up. 200,000 people were in the city. Or sorry, 400,000 people were in the city. And 200,000 people were there when the Germans showed up. Of that. Of, oh, I'm thinking of the fucking Leningrad. Of that, yes. Seven. Of that, what was it? 
Um, 7,000 people were still there in February of 43. Yes. 186,000 yeah. were pulled away to the West. So long story short, they can say at the very least 80,000 people were killed in the city and 75,000 of them were killed from the bombings. Yes. That, so. it, yeah, we'll, we'll get into that too because they didn't show that in the movie, but it did happen. And that's what the first caused thing the all these did. sets. Yep. That's how... That's what uh, caused all that shit. Enemy at the gates of the book opens up the German bombing in July. July and they August fucking went... Too. No pun intended, but they went to town. Like, oh yeah, that was it's like Rotterdam or any other loof off of. It was places. it was devastating. I mean, it was it was de- insanely powerful. And then yeah, so that and that's what because people think of Stalingrad. I think if they have like any basic knowledge or understanding of the battle, and they think of the bombed out buildings, it's like, well, how did that get that way? It was a a really thriving city at that point, actually. And it it's was a very you know, interesting city because it, do you know how it got? Do you guys know how it got its name, Stalingrad? Uh, tell us, was it named after Lenin? <laughs> no, Leningrad's up north. It's St. Petersburg. Now you fuck. No, Let him I tell know. his fucking story, you clown. I know. I'm being a smartass. There was a very big cavalry battle there during the Russian Revolution. I think in 1919, and Stalin was a part of it. And then after it, they gate they renamed the city in kind of honor for the battle that happened there. It was a big cavalry battle versus the whites. Um, and so, yeah, that's what it was. And it was this very industrious city. It was this revolutionary city because, hey, we have this, you know, very big battle behind us. So it got a lot of funding and it got a lot of, you know, looks. It got a, got a lot of money from the state. And uh, they had a big tractor factory there and everything. And there's a shit ton of industry. There was three huge groupings of industry. There was like oil, big oil company in the north. The tractor factory was in the center. And then the south was like all the grain factory and everything. Yes. And everyone yep. that's ever played R2 knows what I'm talking about. Um. One thing that I would have liked with this movie, one thing I can, if you know, if I'm going to criticize it for something, um, I understand a movie has to be a certain length and you can only fit so many things and events and such in it. But uh, my only kind of criticism is that the once the combat starts, it's like immediately into the shit. Like there's ruins everywhere. Everyone is freaking the fuck out. And it's like um, my only thing was I would have loved it if there was more of a progression to that if like we show up or we see like the city as it was before yeah bombing and stuff and then we kind of go into these things that we know about stalingrad that's what i would have preferred but i get it you have to cut around things and such they show up in november the battle starts in late Late september july in a way like the battles outside the city start in july and then like properly they're in the city by late august early september okay so, yeah, that's the thing. It's such a long battle. And the other thing is crazy is that it was the only front really in late 42 that was not receiving reinforcements. So the units that were there were just getting churned in to nothing. Nothing yeah. at if all. I, like if, if I can make a comparison, like episode one of the Pacific, in my opinion, does a really good job of showing like, you know, fresh as fresh can be. And there's this kind of long waiting period and over that big waiting period, eventually you start to get into, you know, okay, something happens and something bigger happens and something even bigger happens. Well, eventually it goes into that whole just meat grinder, you know. Um, this just seemed very instant. It was just like, all right, we reached there. And then immediately it's like they're in these ruins and everyone, you know, everything is awful and shit. And it's a great battle sequence. But um, I think but not, I would have. What he said, though, makes sense. Oh, yeah, I get it. November. So, yeah, now, yeah. now I, it makes sense because I was agreeing with you. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, wait, it is November. Mm-hmm. So by this point, you know, the battle basically is already over. The Russians are about to do their big Uranus counteroffensive. 
like you know mm-hmm. you're you're two thirds into the whole fighting at all. Like well, any, I know what you mean, but like the city was already fucking. Dressed the movie and- is about fictional people though, so just have it focus on something like have it focus on guys who get there earlier. You, you know. That's, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's I mean that's that's just my whole thing. Like I I would have preferred more of a progression, but and I get it. Like you have to. Yeah, it's a movie. You have to. You can only show a certain amount of things, but um, I always like the slow burn. I I think um, I think to counter that, not not that I don't not that I don't disagree with you um in terms of what I would sometimes what I'd like to see in you know more more of a base into these characters and stuff. I think the outlying of the whole entire movie though is to show because of how long they do show it is the grueling toll that you know the battle but also the weather takes on these guys oh yeah and i think that progression because what do you think of stalingrad you think of people freezing to death and just being you know completely locked in uh logistically locked in uh you know to this place because of the weather and i think um i I think that is a huge part to really kind of show and although i do agree with you i also think that um I, I think showing those extremes are very later in the film are very predominant and very brutal. Which, um, w- uh, yeah. Uh, just let me say one thing, uh, which is funny because in yeah. my opinion, like there is a 30 minute point in the film kind of right in the middle that, where it kind of slows down and it's, yeah, it's almost like, I don't know if it's going to say it went in the wrong direction, but there's something that happens to where it's almost like... Well, I think it went in the wrong direction. Yeah, it kind of like, okay, now I'm a little disengaged a bit, and then, but it starts to kind of redeem a little bit later. But yeah, it, and just in terms of dwelling on stuff like that, in my opinion, it wasn't the best choice. But anyway, Brian, go ahead. Brian, well, let's like, pick up your point where like how it gets so brutal. I mean, it goes right into like, you know, Slaughterhouse 5, you just murdered your friend. Eh, don't mm-hmm. worry about it. I did this. I did something similar. You know, it happens in close quarters combat. You know, like it just goes right into it. Don't have time to deal with that right now. Move on. Yeah, and, and there's so Pick many great up. lines too here because like the veterans really turn to the vets again because the guys like I thought we had artillery support. One dude goes, "Yeah, nobody said artillery is close or accurate." Like, <laughs> you know, that was a great shit. But yeah, it's just um, culturally too. You know, it's like I don't know. The Pacific was such a, a long lead up, just the theater into things. And it's like, oh, my God, I'm finally here. And then, bam, it happens. While Stalingrad, it's like, dude, the train station's like 100 feet away from the front line. Yes. So it's just, yeah. The And then and um, I'll, I'll let Mike go. The only thing that, that does bother me about that first engagement in the factory are Michael Bay explosions and the sound tanks? Yeah, but again, but again, it's the time. Yeah, you know? yeah. It's a product of his time. No, I'm not going to insult the film like that. Nate's bad that he just fell and he fires Kennedy Eight and he spoiled the attack. The Kennedy Eight with the Counter Strike AK sound effect. To get right back to what Mike was saying, it, it does still flow. We're good. Um, the reason I said earlier that I thought the first hour was good and then it kind of lost its touch and then regained it. And I agree with you. I think so. I literally thought this film was three or three and a half hours. It does seem from what really I remember. Long. Yeah. No, but no, like back in the, from like I thought it would. I thought it would be longer. And I think this is one of those. And I will rarely advocate for this, but like I think this should have been about four hours or a two part thing. But like 
because of the fact that the battle for the actual city in the in the ruins and all that shit was shown, I think, about as well as you're going to show it on the big screen. But then it was, okay, we're into the sewers and it's over. And it's like, then we're out in the fucking tundra when they were retreating. And I didn't, I, I thought they, but here's the thing is I know why they didn't do that because um, artistically and with just film, like you can't stay on one subject and do the same shit for an hour and a half and people still be engaged. And I get that, but I'm bitching about not being engaged because of other things. So it's a, it's a conundrum, but they're also not making it for me. They're making it for everyone. And I wish it would have been longer and I wish it would have, it would have stuck on the urban fighting to show exactly how well it did, but like more of that. And like these guys get beaten down, but it's also very quick. I guess it's condensed. So, yeah. Yeah. So I, I, um, no, I think that you might be onto something because another good example of what I'm talking about that does it really well is Das Boat, which is a mm-hmm. four hour movie. Yes. And it does the same yes. thing where it's like, okay, it starts out very fresh and it doesn't immediately just jump to awfulness. You know, there is this really big progression and it's interesting you know they put a lot of interesting stuff in it. it's not a boring movie mm-hmm. at all and um yeah i just and i'm not gonna say like that's what the movie should have been this movie's bad because of that but like yeah me either yep. just as a preference like oh that would have been interesting to see brian yeah it's had the same producers as uh dust boot as well oh really weird they're both awesome they're both bangers i know yeah. right they're fantastic so but yeah you know what i'm saying is like i i just wish they would have spent a little, even though they, the, the unit got there in November, I get that, the whole timeline, but like, I wish they would have spent more time on the actual city fighting, which is what Stalingrad is known for. And yeah. The problem is, is that, and I do agree, like about an hour in, it does lag a bit, like right around the time where they get into the sewers and the chick shows up. Yep. Like, yep. it's just, it's really hard to talk about the hell it was because all it was forever was tit tat street fighting. And that's what makes it insane, but that's what also makes it you know, boring at points. Because I was just going to say it was really it was good. boring for the troops. If fit, you read yeah. The, the, the yeah, if you read the, if you read the memoirs from the Germans and the Russians, they said I don't know how many fucking days have passed because it's always the same. And well, so to try to get that into a movie, it's I don't know how you. Well, that's yeah. one of the interesting too. Like you know, you, so during the war, you have a, a wave on the Eastern Front for Germans and, and Russian relations from the German perspective. So it's, at, at the beginning, it's like you're subhuman pieces of shit. We don't need you get in the camps, die. Then they really start to fail, you know, fall of 41 towards Moscow. Well, labor's cool. So the kind of things kind of steady out and they don't kill as many POWs. And, you know, beginning of 42, it's like, well, we're kind of in this together. If we're going to occupy your land, you know, things are okay. And then 42 is kind of like, whatever, fine. And then Total after war, Stalingrad, yeah, yeah it gets really bad. It's like, now you're just labor subhuman. But there was a period of time where it was just like, you know, we're just people getting through this and everything. And it, it, we're just combat, you know, your government, my government. And this is just the, the period of time where it starts to change. And I did like how they have, like, the Russian guy who's bleeding out and how they have that whole experience. But yet at the same time, you see the German dude totally freaked out. Like, what is this dude muttering? What's going on? Like, you know, I know a lot of, I'd say, people in an age bracket where if they were drafted, like, you know, 18 to 22-year-olds, if they were in a situation like that and somebody was bleeding out in a foreign language, they would have that ex- same exact, you know, expression and everything. And just to round up my, my comment, um, this is also the first time when I watched this movie and I did notice some of the, I'd say, wooden acting. 
I don't know. There were a few points where I could tell where it was like, this must have been early on when they started to shoot combat. And because they're not shooting blanks at points, you can tell by the way they're recycling their, their bolts and everything. But like, there's a few scenes where Rolo and all those guys are in the factory and they're just like there. And you could see that like, they're just acting with their eyes, like, you know, like trying to look shocked and everything. And I was surprised to see that for the first time. And I saw more of that than I ever did. So I don't know. I think this movie is the perfect length and they really got enough of everything they needed to do. And the best thing they did is they got the grit and they got the feel of the event versus every single little thing being niche Nazi. Correct. You know, it's like you watch this movie and you're like, I get a little piece of Stalingrad. Fuck that sucked. And that's why it's, it's really awesome. The, the the where I think like you guys have said something about like how the wall kind of starts with the sewers and everything, I, I do agree with that to an extent. However, I, I I just like I can never ever not get over the sets and the way things are set up. Like the whole like outpost and the abandoned or in their abandoned building, like their entrance point to the sewer, which is like you know they go into the sewer through their entrance hole. It's like that whole like thing. There's two MG thirty fours. There's one on the front, one on the right. There's a radio. There's like a barracks. It's just your basement, like, dude. That, Come on. But yeah, but like it's it's just like that's super cool to me to actually see that in the film all laid out because most of the time you just see like you know junk on the bunk and you don't ever see where they're actually set up and it's just really cool and, they, and three cores of them have fucking forty ones and, and they're like, also ducking just, which I love that little detail is they're yeah. ducking when they go by the windows because they know there's a good chance that there's somebody that's just watching that. Well, it, and just before that scene, they they show that guy getting shot with the PU sniper, which is wrong. The food, the food runners but, getting yeah. shot at. Yeah. And just before I forget, yeah. it's very interesting because this film is ninety three, you know, and there was a few other iterations of the Battle of Stalingrad before this. The most famous one was the West German production Dogs Doing to Live Forever, which is nineteen fifties movie that's really really good um, for its day and everything. But what I noticed in this was how much of an influence Enemy at the Gates had on this narrative because you have the boy that shows up and gets killed. And that's a big part of, of the of the book. I'm hold on. Oh, okay. Okay. I, I was about to say, you better be talking about the book. The book I, is, the so movie is its own thing. I'm just talking about the, cause that's something that's every book. fucking book is better. It, it, you Let's know, just... the real, it, it, well, actually really is for, from a Western perspective too. But in this case, like really Jude law, go fuck yourself. But, um, and the other thing too was the snipers. You know, because, uh, you know, again, after Enemy of the Gates, the movie came out today. Everybody knows, like, oh, Stalingrad snipers. But it really wasn't until you read the book, like, in the 70s and 80s, that was very culturally known. So it's just interesting to, like, see, like, oh, wow, those two things from that narrative are, are big in this, or in a way. Yeah. Michael? Um, I, I'm not an expert at all when it comes to, you know, like, uh, how... Hey, Sean. <laughs> I'm just I'm not an expert when it comes to like movements and stuff like that. I'm only, you know, an amateur, but I do like a lot of the way these guys were moving. You know, they do seem to like care about ducking down and taking cover and crawling and such for the most part. Um and uh, that sort of thing I thought was well done as as opposed to, you know, most war movies where people are just standing up shooting and stuff like that or just running which they got to in this one. Right, yes. Yeah. They did in the yeah. next phase. Yeah, yeah. and the the whole tank battle scene. Are we ready to go there? <laughs> I was at, there are some people yet. running back well, and forth through well, that. Well, there's there's one there was there was one scene I'd like to chime up on. Yeah. Is that hospital scene? 
Well, before we get to that, but that that's later. Uh, yeah, that's later. No, no, no that's before the tank scene. I, I, I'll, that's I'll before because they're 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 in the they're in there. Oh yeah, okay, never mind. Yeah, this is groups. We did jump around the series and stuff, but. Uh, it's so once you get to the end of the factory scene, that's their welcome to Stalingrad, you know, iteration and everything. And then from then on, it just the men deteriorate from that period on and physically, mentally, you know, every way, shape and form. And that's when, like, in a way, the apocalypse now effect takes hold, because in a lot of other things, like, for example, Band of Brothers or the Pacific, you see guys decay, but you can tap out at a certain point. Now, obviously, Pelu, you can't tap out in the airfield, but there's a certain point where you could figure it out. You can't do that at Stalingrad. It's shoot yourself in the foot and hopefully you don't need powder burns. Oh, you're going to get found out. You know, like, it just, there's no way to get out of this hell. So these guys just slowly deteriorate in front of your eyes. The only times that you ever see them get, you know, brought up back to the surface are, again, those little moments where this movie shines, like when the mail and the food shows up. I have brought hot food to guys at reenactments before in really shitty times. They'll fucking suck your dick. Holy shit. Like fucking, you know, one ladle full of like lukewarm soup goes a long way when you feel like shit. And it's just, was very cool to see those very small moments as everything else is failing. You know, it's like, well, she told me twice that she's pregnant, but I really wonder what's happening with that cow. Hope it's okay. You know, like there's these little things they get you through these horrible situations where you're deteriorating but well it's things to get you through i did like that scene a lot that scene that has the food uh that shows up that scene they're getting the mail and things like that where they're sitting just amongst themselves that was a really cool scene um a lot of good stuff there i really like uh the character uh muller um calls him Gigi. uh yeah you know he uh that that uh friendship i really like that guy that the was it Reiser is his name? The, 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 yes. Yeah. He's yep. a great character. Reiser, yeah. yep. Guy has massive ears. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The big he's ear flaps. Radar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's got yeah. Dumbo yeah. ears, but, um, but, uh, like, and I like that scene a lot where he's, you know, he's like, how does this not, he's like, Oh, you just got this little switch behind, you know, your ear. It turns your brain off. So I was going to comment on that. Yeah. Yeah. I should look at my fucking notes. Oh, and he also was the one that said earlier, but it doesn't, it won't detract and steer the conversation elsewhere. He's the kind of guy, little things like this, I love this, is he goes, when the chaplain's giving the big speech before they go into this big, before they go into the factory, and he's like, it says God is, or God is with us on every German soldier's belt buckle. He goes, oh, no shit. Yeah. I never noticed that. <laughs> I love that. I'm like, that is fucking awesome. <laughs> No, that that's that's a great moment, yeah. Because like you you just think that like everyone knows that, but like he doesn't give a shit. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I love it too. Like um the the old NCO, I can never remember his name. The uh the sergeant. Well, that should be like a sergeant major, but he's a sergeant. He's a fucking he's the dick and doesn't buy into the whole shit. He's like, you remind me of my son. He goes, oh really? How old's your son? Three. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. why. Because you're a fucking child. Yeah. To Gigi, I think it was. Yeah. Yep, he says it to Gigi. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, my son's three. Those characters were really good. You know, just those, those like three. Well, and that four. part of the acting was great because it didn't seem like they were acting. It seemed like they were just genuinely. Oh, and also, so this, this carries on through the whole movie. So, like, when they're actually moving through the factory, right? Like, they're actually doing that. There's only so much cover you can get in a shitty fucking setting like that. That's why they're all moving to the same thing. Now, the one thing, I don't know if you guys noticed this. People are fucking up. They're tripping, they're falling. 
their their shit falling off their uniform, like gear and stuff. And it's also like the helmets will fall off and they'll try to recover. And they're also winded moving like 40 yards. And that's exactly realistic. So have you worn hobnails in that type of situation? In cold, yes. yes. Not in that. It's not in Stalingrad, but like yes. Well, I mean, cement, like in a factory, mud, in a mud in a with, type of with situation, solid well, and slippery is, surfaces. Mud, yeah. mud and slippery is one thing. Uh, I'll grant you that. But no, no, no. Like, I'm saying like with metal in there and shit like that. Like oh, it's, yeah. you're but, fucked. Yeah, like, but let's put it like this: like in the field with hobnails sucks. Walking on concrete and flat surfaces sucks. But when you throw pebbles and, and rubble and gravel like into the mix on a flat surface with hobnails. Yeah. You might as well take your fucking shoes off. <laughs> and I did it's love that. so bad. Yeah. Dude, I it's, have ice yeah. skated so much. Like, fucking, at events. <laughs> I oh, just, my God. I just, I was just reminded of something. I'll tell it real quick. Oh, boy. I, story time. <laughs> yeah. story. I was, I, I was doing, I was doing GI reenacting, and I <laughs> remember doing it in, like, an abandoned factory. We were doing, like, up in Ohio, in that area, and there was an abandoned factory, and... <laughs> I watched I'm I'm like hiding behind like this corner and all of a sudden I watch I just hear like yelling and it's 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 Germans running around the thing trying to get in cover and stuff. I watch one run full sprint into the factory from the outside in, tries to stop, can't stop, <laughs> slides, literally ice skates straight into a locker and you just hear shit wham <laughs> then fall over and then you hear watch out there's fuck no Wham! <laughs> like another one, back to back. They just fucking eat shit in these that lockers, is... and it was like someone tried to put the brakes. It was like Home Alone, you know, socks on wooden yeah. floors. <laughs> like so, that boom! Is like quintessential <laughs> like Looney Tunes moment right there. Oh, it was two of them <laughs> straight back to back. I I took my hit because I was laughing so hard. <laughs> I was like, I was like, I'm out. <laughs> like they know where so we funny. are. I'm laughing um, so hard. It, and you, uh, obviously, Nate, you weren't there, but when we were making Reveille. Uh, Myra was in charge of the Airbnb we were all staying in. She was so adamant. Oh, everybody, take your boots off before you come inside because you will yeah, destroy. Yeah, hobnails will destroy your wooden yeah. floors. Yes. Also, what yeah. was cool about the sewers, too, is it reminded me a lot of Canal, of the sewers and Canal mm. and everything. You know, and it was a very interesting, I think, in a way, almost a nod to that film. I'm I'm guessing that was just straight-up raw sewage he fell into. Was that was that, that was supposed to be? Yes, that's what Mike is currently making. <laughs> is that what the toilet the looked big, like when you were done with it? Bat. Thomas... Thomas uh, Kretschmann there's fell a little, into like, it. There's a little dragon figure in his toilet. Ah, it's getting, <laughs> quote unquote, better. <laughs> there's a German pioneer with like a you know a little flame coming out. Also one six dragon guy like on top of the bowl. Lifting <laughs> out the lieutenant. No, I, and like speaking of that too, is like um, back in the day I thought, I was like, there's no fucking way an infantry guy is going to be carrying a fucking flamethrower. And then when they said they're Sturm Pioneer, right? And they're actually... Another great detail they got right was the Waffenfaba on the uniforms. Mm-hmm. They really did for all the units, whatever. And so they were in black. And I'm like, okay, yeah, they would have them. Those guys just had like all this, sh- they're demolition experts, basically. And they portrayed that in the film. And I love that. But yeah, it's, the sewer also, I wouldn't be using a fucking flamethrower down there. <laughs> I wouldn't much less shoot a fucking gun down there. <laughs> While we're light, light that methane, yes. Right. <laughs> While we're on the point. I will put in this week's sticker trivia, as Mike brought it up. So, yes, in the film, they mentioned that these guys are Sturm Pioneers. What exactly is a German Sturm Pioneer? 
And what's the Western equivalent? So the first person to message that to the group uh, gets a sticker. Let me ask this though. Um, the the I guess he's the the villain of the movie. That one officer who keeps fucking with them gets them arrested and everything, and they eventually kill him. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Was he yeah. artillery? He seemed to have red. Not on police. Him. He's police. got orange. Chain dog. It's police. Oh, okay. Fell gendarmerie. Yep. Okay. Yeah. No, he's like an MP. So of course he's the villain because fuck MPs. Well, it, if it you're listening them. to this and you're an MP, <laughs> I stand by that. You might be a cool person at heart, but you chose to do one of the worst fucking MOSs fuck and professions you, in the military. That's every yeah. Oh, well, I've already had this conversation <laughs> with Trey a million times, and he agrees halfway, but he's also still got his little fucking MP f- pride, I guess. And whatever you did your thing. Turn yeah, he, he's short. an M- he's he's an MP. Don't cut all that out, Nate. Don't cut all that out. How you doing there, buddy? <laughs> yeah. How you doing, The buddy? Germans used mm-hmm. to call them chain dogs. Because they had a gorget that they would wear. Yep. And they had a chain around the neck, so that was the... That well, was that was once we were on duty. Dogs. That's the equivalent of the MP patch nowadays. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, like, when they're on duty, they're wearing that. And if they're not, they're just wearing the orange and being gay. And being assholes to everybody <laughs> that they're fucking comrades, yeah, apparently, with. If you ever had a reenactment and you see a guy doing Felchadarm, run away. Yeah. This book that I've read about the 352nd uh, at Omaha Beach, uh, they they talk about in it a number of the uh, testimonies from various guys that, that the Feldgendarmerie or however you say it, they were like they absolutely hated those guys. Like they they couldn't stand Dude, them. It, it's every combat armed soldier in every fucking military mm-hmm. hates MPs mm-hmm. because the MPs are the ones who join. They go, I wanna I wanna police. My comrades, right. and I want to make sure they're doing everything right. It's like, no, the units of police themselves, if they're being, if they're being stupid. Mike, you can't piss in Iraqi mouths, okay? We had this conversation oh. a while ago. Oh, don't, don't fucking, okay. <laughs> it says here in the Geneva Convention you can't do that, so, you know. I'm just, I'm going to, I'm going to take a breath. <laughs> That We're was good to go. that was the goat. That was that no, was that the was, goat you did not take. Yes. <laughs> yep. Yep. And, but MPs yes, okay. are hated by every <laughs> fucking soldier I've talked to from every military in the world that I've talked to. Fucking, we all agree on one thing: mm-hmm. the food always sucks. Besides the U.S. Air Force and MPs <laughs> are the fucking bane of every military, and they fucking suck and whatever. And if you're an MP or a former MP listening to this. Well, if you're an MP in the Air Force, what do you do besides like writing a lot of speeding tickets? No, 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 no. You're not an MP in the Air Force. You are security forces. Yeah. Oh, that's... you get like the handcuffs no, that are like fuzzy. They're, they wear berets, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> they wear fucking berets. They're special. Yeah. Well, we got you know. Ed, fucking clowns. MPs suck. I stand by that. Please, Nate, <laughs> do not edit any of that shit out. Because <laughs> okay. a lot of MPs, former and current, will they'll be like. No, actually, yeah, we do. It's it's a rivalry. It's an inner thing rivalry. It's, it's a, So to get back on track, I'll get us back on track <laughs> to deflect from the fucking Thank you. pissing on fucking detainees. They're not they're not prisoners. <laughs> they're detainees. Well, it was a Midwestern unit that was at Albuquerque. I do forget. So. It was actually yes. You're correct. You're correct. So anyway, um, yeah, the the that officer who also. Was way too old, and also he never got promoted through the whole fucking thing. I guess which not. in Stalingrad, it's like it's like when we when we do an offensive, a lot of guys die, a lot of guys get promoted very quickly. This guy was such a piece of shit that even his own, the Wehrmacht or the Heer, did not promote him. 
He was a captain the whole way through. And yeah, he played a piece of shit. Did that help him? No, but it's cool, though. It It obviously was not bulletproof. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, when they killed the animal the first time. (laughs) Right. Wearing the rank on the outside of those jackets, especially in Stalingrad or somewhere where you're, like, going through uniforms and, like, you just don't give a fuck. It's for the movie. But yeah, so he's he's a he's an MP officer. Okay. And and I did okay, so the part that I did like about this film that like um I think uh, uh um um uh Generation War. They wanted to make like the army on the Eastern Front look like they never did anything. It was always the SS and the SD and all these other whatever and the Ukrainians a lot. But no, the army did do that kind of shit. Yeah. On the Eastern front. And when he's sitting there and he's like, yeah, exactly. And, and he's like, you know, Hey, I don't want you to kill that kid or whatever. And he's like, get the fuck back in formation. I mean, this is like abridging it a lot, but like that's realistic. And I like the fact that they like, they didn't show them to be villains. They just showed what happened. Yeah. And it's like, cause the, the Soviets have done the same shit. Yeah. Cause they did. And it was like, the point I want to make earlier, it is still relevant now because like this carries on throughout the whole movie is like when this war broke out, the Germans viewed the Soviets as subhumans and they committed a lot of atrocities, which provoked the Soviets into going, Oh, we're going to do the same shit does not make it right. But that's how it was on the Eastern front versus like Western front battles. It was, there was more of a chivalrous. No, not really. It was, but it was a less. A better term. Yep. Correct. Yes, I agree. And like, so like, if you listen to Dan Carlin, a hardcore history, really good podcast, it's well known, but like he did something on the Oz front and, and that really resonates is like on the Easter front, it was, they literally hate each other so much because it was a snowball effect of like, we're going to do this to you and then we're going to do that worse to you. And then, oh, we're going to do that worse back and forth and it just really didn't seem to ever get better on the Eastern front. And then you see the results of the fruits of the happening um, when they, you know, Soviets actually got to Germany in 45. But in this film, it shows that like they're both brutally, both fucking just are doing this because, and they're scared of like the atrocities that they might experience or whatever. But then there's that one time, which also is definitely documented that they go, hey, we need a, a truce for just get our data or our wounded out of here. Yeah. Like, just can we just 10 minutes, 15 minutes, let's just fucking stop shooting. Um, there was shit like that a lot. But yeah, it was fucking nasty on the Eastern Front because of that, because of that aspect. So, and this is just right when it starts to really get bad and relations on the front are horrible because, you know, it was really bad for the guys that were in Stalingrad. It was also really bad for the Soviet POWs that were inside of Stalingrad in POW camps, you know, because those guys just literally starved to death. So there's a really, really interesting um, YouTuber called Tick, and I think I brought him up before, but he has this amazing series about Stalingrad. It's like hour-long episodes. There's 51 of them, and it just will blow your fucking mind away. He spent four and a half years making these, and it covers every single aspect of the battle. But one really cool one that I rewatched for this was the one on food. Where basically he has a, a plate where he, he shows you the, the ration of a German soldier before and after. And it basically starts out with a whole loaf of bread. 
like a whole loaf of Wonder Bread for people in America. And then it ends up being by Christmas, 1942, uh, like two pieces of bread and a sausage, if you're lucky. And mostly horse meat. Per so day, like, by the way. Per day. This is per day, yeah. So it turns yeah, into this like is not a, meal. a sandwich. Yeah. So you're getting – you're losing like four pounds a week basically. And you're also – it's negative – it's negative calories, but you still need the vitamins and the minerals from the food, but you're burning more calories digesting the food than you are gaining. And yeah, that's, it's fucking awful. And, and this is when it turns into the crazy factor. Um, well, I'll bring it up later, but you know, a lot of the reason that a lot of the German POWs died in Soviet captivity is because the airlift kept them strong enough for long enough where it weakened them so much that once they eventually got to Soviet captivity, so much was spent from it that the reserves they initially would have had, if let's say they were captured in late November or December of 42, that would have made sure they lived, just killed them off to the rate where if you were taken captured, if you were taken um, prisoner by the Soviets during the war, you had a 32% chance of getting killed or dying in Soviet captivity. If you were a Stalingrad, German POW, you had a ninety-five percent chance of dying. Yep, it's four. Only, yeah, four percent chance of surviving. Yeah, so yeah, it's, four point six three percent chance of survival. And, but that mostly comes down to the fact that these guys were on the end of their reserves, and the Soviets were starving too. So, yeah. But before we get into like history and shit, let's talk about um, the hospital scene, and then the tank mm-hmm. scene. Yep. And then we'll do your history, and I think IMDb, and then. Um, and then I want to talk about one more pivotal scene at the end of that. So. Which, where's what, the what, other pivotal scene? Where does it fall in place? You'll in find movie? out. Huh? You'll find out. Okay, it's near the end. We'll get to the movies yeah. and we'll yep, do we're good. history and then we'll do IMD. Sorry. Let's, so. Yeah, let's yeah. go ahead. Yep. So the hospital scene is fucking interesting as well. Not only because they use an MP40 mag as a splint, which I think was really fucking awesome. I didn't well, he didn't that. have his MP40 anymore because... But, but they used spent mags though, which I thought was cool. No, so, but like even even if it was full, it doesn't yeah. matter. Like that's it's, it was a great touch. Yeah, really I hadn't was. noticed that when I watched it before. And now I'm just like, yep. I'm gonna remember. It's that. a great touch. Very it, it works. Cool. Yep. yep. And the whole scene, he just kind of plays into the rest of the movie with a motive of like, no one cares about individual life or the wounded. They're in that whole sequence, you know, because you see everybody else that's dying in a pain and and so horrible, and the doctor didn't give a fuck. You know, he's just desensitized. He he's just. You know, it's like the, like some of the worst episodes of MASH when the guys are just like, oh, my God, this is a meat factory. But it reminded me of a quote from Stalin, not necessarily for World War II or for Stalingrad, but, you know, yeah, I know a single saying. death is a tragedy and a million deaths is a statistic. And it's just like when you see so much destruction and, 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 and whatever, who cares? This guy is literally dying in front of you and, and you don't care. You're like, I want this to, you know, be pr- something has to become of this. This is crazy. Why is this guy taking a gun and doing this whole s- like a, a bridge too far situation? But actually it went really bad, <laughs> you know, because there's that a very similar scene in that film. So but it just goes to show that it's like no one gives a fuck. You're just in a meat grinder. No one cares. Fuck and you. they go they go to that penal battalion, which they actually portrayed very well. Because people think Peel Battalions were just like wave uh, units they would just send to their death and like whatever for no reason. No, no, no. They would do shit like they showed in the film. Clearing minds. On both sides. It wasn't It wasn't just one side. It was like, okay, you're going to go here for X amount of days or whatever. And then the Germans happened to need soldiers faster than the Soviets. 
And they were like, okay, well, and that's, I'm really glad they, they actually showed that aspect of it too. I, I've actually never read any German memoirs or, or any really too much in German penile battalions. I have read a lot in Soviet ones. And yeah, they were very like formal. Like you'd fuck up with something like, oh shit. Like there was one guy who he got the wrong orders and you showed up to a wrong unit and they like sent him to a penile battalion for a month. And like, you know, you just served out your service. And a lot of times they got new equipment. Like it wasn't like this bottom of the barrel kind of thing. Um, you know, and it's like, well, you go through it. And yeah, I think they did do a good job of that and how they just got their rank taken away. But, you know, they, they were still soldiers. They were still fed. They were still in this shitty situation. The the one thing I did like was showing that showing that uh, that tension between, you know, the lieutenant, the lieutenant and the guy who was like, who pretty much was like, I'll fucking get you in trouble. And he like beats him like that guy. He she showed that. Oh, like, at the, be- at the beginning. Up. Yeah. Yeah, like who that guy who's like I, he's like I will report you. How dare you? You know you like that. And then he like, you know because because he's now he's not lieutenant's now no longer to, has to be respected because of rank. He can shit on him. And I think that's very interesting. It also shows that he has like an iron cross at this point. He's got a forty one. He's controlling the bread. Like it's 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 an interesting dynamic to show that that like say please, bitch. You know like it's like. There. It's very interesting that they went there, and then it gets blown in half by a tank shell, which I think yeah, is that was fun. interesting. Yeah, there isn't, and I like how they did that. They like buried him into the ground. That, He's just like that ah, was kind of funny. Ah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, there is an interesting aspect with rank in this film because they they kind of like try to be like I'm one of you, but clearly you're not a soldier. You're not an enlisted man, but it's like I'm in the same train car. I'm with my. I have to earn the respect of my men and. Yes, he does along the way, but rank plays this funny thing of like, well, it's it's only useful when you really need it. So you have all these other officers, and they're like, you know, we're here for the honor of Germany and the honor of stopping bolsterism and stuff. And it's like, oh, well, now I could use it, you know. And it's like, yeah, but it also air- showed that it doesn't actually fucking matter when the lead starts flying. No, no, because- it doesn't. But it just shows how some people at points will be like. Well, this yeah, didn't they matter before, that. but yep. eh, yeah, just how shitty people can get in bad situations. You know, rats will always try to find their way out in a sinking ship. You know, everyone, when mm-hmm. things eventually disintegrate to the point where it's like, oh, oh, this is what's going on, you know? It, it, yeah, it's it gets really but what, bad. But it did show Anybody is like, there was, in this film, and a lot of films do this very well, also the same amount shitty, but like, is... It doesn't matter what you're wearing on your uniform. That matters in garrison when you're doing a fucking parade, you're giving out awards. Okay, who gives a fuck? Well, like, look how shiny they are. Like that one. Right, but say. in combat, it's and it's still true to this day. If you are wearing the rank of whatever lieutenant, uh, whatever, and nobody has confidence in you, nobody's gonna fucking listen to you on the field. Nobody. And they showed that in this film, and like that captain that ended up being one of the characters that was kind of weird, and like he got fucked up physically and mentally and everything. But he, he, um, he was the guy that was like calm, cool, collected, and going, "All right, hey, all right, go here. Yeah, this is what's going to happen. Yeah, because they're going to react this way." And then, bam, and people listened to him. And the lieutenant, when he was initially there, nobody gave a fuck, and he also was like, "Oh shit, what the fuck? This is retarded." But like, um it showed that dynamic very well of like, just because you're wearing the rank does not an expert make you like, and so I, I love that in this film. And then once he starts proving himself, like, 
well, I'm not going to try to get you all killed by making stupid choices. I'm going to listen and learn from the guys that have actually been here. Then they start listening to him. And it's like, that's, that was a really, again, that was a very like kind of, um, um, small detail, but like it was, it's, it's very accurate to most militaries. So, yep. But, um, yeah, you know, the, uh, the tank scene as well, is just fucking when they redeem their, you know, rank in a way, you know, or their honor, if you want to say that is just so great. And if you just look up this movie on YouTube or something, there's like a few scenes that obviously are clipped that are watched a million times. And the tank scene is probably like the number one. But you one. think it's great? I think it's very well done for what it is. Oof. Oh, boy. Oh, we have a disagreement? You don't? How else would oh, you yeah. do it? It's a bunch a- of infantry guys trying to stop armor. Okay. I mean, in reality, so- armor would just drive around them. Who gives a shit? Okay. That was one of my main points. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No. For the, movie, for the movie, it makes sense. For reality, it's stupid. Mm. Okay. So how... Okay. I guess the conversation should go this way then. How could they have portrayed it better? Because I think it was completely fucking retarded. Have a choke point. Yeah, have a choke point. But, like, they didn't... It was just like they were in an open field from half mi- done I mean, fox miles. And, yeah, no. It, yeah, and, like, hasty positions and all that shit. Yeah, but, like... And then they're using... Okay, they might not have had like handheld mines. That was common. I know, but like it's for okay. what it is, it's good and it's interesting. It's infantry combat fighting tanks. It's the wrong tanks again. You know, if it was a Russian unit, they would just well, drive okay. around and go say to the, the next settlement. Say the right tanks. I know the tactics sucked. Um, some of because them they did, came into them, them sideways. And then they turn at the last second. It's like well, they have tank if, riders. They're getting close and everything. I mean, I did like some of the aspects of it, like when they used the treads to to destroy foxholes. That happened every now and then. Running over German soldiers. That happened every now and then. Um, <laughs> you don't have to worry about it in the winter, but in the summer, when you run over someone with a tank, it starts to smell after a while. But in the winter, everything is frozen. So guts and things. It doesn't matter. Eastern Front, you, you have some of these things in tank battles. Um, the guy getting blown in half, I mean, obviously that was a little... That's a little goofy. You know, crazy. Yeah. You do hear about that at rarely. It has happened before in combat, but again, the I, the things that have to happen for that to, to occur are just Well, yeah, insane. it has to do with the way it's but, depicted. It, but yeah, as so, far as German soldiers holding off tanks in the winter, I mean, it is a good job. The better one, in my opinion, is... Uh, it's not German soldiers, but it's from Talbasoto, the Winter War where the Finnish soldiers hold off against the Russian T-26 tank attack from the 1989 movie. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. They fucking, like, they stop it with a fucking, uh, the Finnish Panzerfaust, which is a log in the tracks. That's a really cool infantry burst tank scene. But as far as what they're trying to do with this, I think it's it, it, it's good with the packs and everything else. I mean, you could also engage those tanks about 500 meters as well and knock off a few of them. They kept I mean, missing, and like, a, that's the thing is, like, it was... It was made for a film, I guess. A hundred percent, yes. But what what they applied to the film, I think it was cool. It's not like when you have uh, the Forgotten Battle, where it's like you have all this really cool shit in the same fucking place, and it just looks horrible, and it just is really retarded. But in this, it's like you have all the stuff in one place, and it's used how it should be used, mm. at least for how they're depicting it. So that's that's I think the big difference. Okay. So yeah, no, I I. I... I think from what I'm from what I'm gathering is that Mike's not exactly happy with the way it's presented within the film. 
but I think I hear what you're saying all around. That's what I was going to say. What was that? Like, great. I think, I've, yeah, for what it is on the film, I think it's great. I mean, like, I wish we, like, yes, would six tanks choose not to charge infantry in a one long gun? Yeah, absolutely. They would just sit back and shoot. But in terms of a film and its engagement, I mean, if they had to take it out, they would. But I feel like the engagement of getting up close and stuff, yeah, that's definitely film. But it, you know, it, I, I think, I think, you know, in terms of the actual engagement, you know, unlikely scenario, realistic or not, I think it is. Um, I think it's a very interesting, well done interpretation of a situation that may never happen in terms of that. Because, te- like, as, as I think, what Mike's trying to get at is that as a tactical uh, d- d- depiction, it doesn't work. And I, I think I agree with him in that sense. In terms of a film depiction, uh, I, I like it. And I and think I think it's interesting. It's real. Those are real fucking tanks. It's even yes. today yeah. where T thirty fours are a dime a dozen, I mean, relatively, it would be really, really hard to recreate that outside of Russia. The scene like Yeah. It's fucking awesome. The scene is the the scene the purpose of the scene is to have our characters redeem themselves by doing some of the bottom of the most bottom of the barrel kind of thing and that's it it's like we got to do this where they have to take out these tanks it's going to be absolute absolutely terrible for them um so that's what it was in terms of uh filmmaking you know for as a as a plot point yeah that yeah um, for a plot and, push that's what it's for uh, i yeah. love to even the tankers have the correct black uniform on because mm. that's something you don't hear about you know what did you guys think of seeing the uh what's it called the half holodon being used the handhold mines that was neat yeah yeah were those used a lot? Like, would the would they have used those a lot? They were they were in the field. Okay. Yeah. And for pioneers, it makes sense they would have them. Okay. Yeah, they're used more than you think. And the taped um, together grenades too. Yeah, I know. I saw they had those, a few yeah. of those. Molotovs. Anybody could make those. Are in a handbook. I mean, and Molotovs are really effective against tanks. People what people don't realize when they see tanks is they get afraid because it's this you know weapons behind armor and you can't destroy it with a weapon but if you stop and think about it you can always scare the crew they're humans inside a box they can't really see out of well it's like just stop and listen and literally a, a correctly placed molotov will destroy a tank oh i've always heard it that doesn't take much i've always heard that molotovs were one of the best ways to to yeah. fuck up a tank you know they're using them now in ukraine yeah. Like to take out fucking tanks in the beginning, they were using yeah. Molotovs. Like, like I mentioned a minute ago, like the finished Panzerfaust, is you take a stick and you stick it in the tracks, and you have the tank just get stuck and go crazy, and then the crew will eventually come out and you kill them or you burn them out. During the war, my favorite anti Panzer tactics you, you fire a smoke shell into the tank and it will hit it and stop on top of the armor, and the ventilation system will suck in all the smoke. The crew thinks they're on fire if they're not really too experienced, and they'll jump out and you machine gun them, and that's how you take out a tiger. It's like you think outside the box or you do the same thing with a Willie Pete round. Like, you know, it's not hard to scare them out of it because fire is what they're really afraid of. And if you make them think they're on fire, then they're fucking jumping out of that thing fast and you can fucking, you know, I don't know. Put your analogy here, Nate. Hey, do you want to be a, you want to be in a in a in a square shaped cauldron or do you want to? Shit you know? through goose. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think going into uh, the the next couple of scenes i think near the end i mean like i i i think the the year although as dramatic and everything which i guess the movie interpret it ha ah, can't speak tonight i think what i think the whole airplane scene is really interesting um 
you know, the whole failed getting out of the of the encirclement. I think it's really interesting to see. It might be a little bombastic, but I can't think that it wouldn't be that like stampede. I feel like, you know, people it, in a panic are always the most dangerous. So there's a lot that goes into it from the historical spent like, you know, idea. It's really good as far as it's shot and it kind of condenses the whole feeling. And this again, is, another another scene where music is way too loud. Yeah, it's kind of like the the opening scenes of Saving Private Ryan. It's like this kind of sets the narrative for the whole of Stalingrad because people are like, "Oh my god, you know, nobody can get out on the planes, and it was so horrible and everything." And it's like the airlift was was, was a whole conversation in itself. Um, but towards the end, yes, there were people that pulled rank and got the fuck out of there, but it wasn't as crazy as that. You know, is it portrayed? There were a few different airfields that they were flying people into and out of. Um, one airfield they couldn't use because Palace had his fucking... It was actually Gumrak had his whole fucking um, headquarters there. And they actually couldn't use the airfield, so it was really stupid. Um, but it's a good scene, but it's not necessarily like exactly as it happened. It's, it's a bit too bombastic. And by this time, too, by like you know December, January, they were really only dropping supplies in. It was very rare that they would get people out. Because it just the weather was really bad, or most of the airfields were overrun. Um, it's a good scene, but not necessarily. I, I don't know. It just where they're like, it's like they're like having to hold people back with guns and such. And it's like if you yeah. if you made something like you know you're at Henderson Field and people are running for a plane to get off of the island because it's going to fall with Japs. It's like even though it's like you know oh, it's September or four. I don't know. It just didn't. Yeah, I don't know. It's a little bit too crazy if you look at the real history. But it's cool. I did like it, it in that scene though. They do talk about like the doctor going like, "All right, can you go?" No, you did that to yourself. And they shoot the guy, which is I've never. Yeah, heard yeah, uh, yeah. That was yeah. execution. That was but. that was uh, in my opinion a little too much. Well, it, 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 it's funny because later on the the police guy is he's like begging them not to kill him. He's like, "Germans don't kill other Germans." It's like, really? I've seen a lot of it in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> It's funny because, like, by that t- time of the film, it's almost like the baddies are wearing the winter zook or the two-piece German. They kind of like did differentiate you know? it that way. And it's like the good guys are wearing, like, you know, mm-hmm. oh, they're wearing the overcoats and the good old-fashioned Wehrmacht. You know, when we line people up and we shoot them, we just don't shoot them. You know, when, when they're in the stretcher. So, <laughs> um, and, and also, before I forget, I do love the winter shots and how well it's framed. Like I was thinking about that this time. Like they really do great wides yeah and get the most out of it and really make you feel in the expanse almost tying like it back into when they're in the open before the city fighting you know when they're going on the train right. car mm-hmm. well that's almost what it like is like, nice like oh we're out there again like uh, in a way most Dr. of like Shibazo, eastern like, europe and oh, western russia is just the steps just it's just like the mm-hmm. flat whatever and that was really cool and like <clears throat> if you think about it like a lot of the there's still like bone yards out there. Mm-hmm. Bone fields, they call them, yeah. Yeah, bone fields. And like it's a bunch of the retreating guys that froze to death because they have nothing. They're fucked, you know. And like that one scene where they were uh, driving in the truck and they're watching like just German soldiers being burned in a pile. It's like, yeah, they did that because they were like, well, we, this is again dead weight. After the battle, they just made fields. And there's many well-known ones that diggers mm-hmm. go to, and they dig shit up of just bodies. Yep. And, you know, the spring came around, and then it was there's no everyone's starving, so no one has the energy. 
you know, and, and nobody's going to do shit. So just it was right. the way that it went. And that reminds and it was me awful. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But, like, if you got to think about it, too, at that point, the environment that they depict in this movie alone, let alone the reality of where these guys were in 1942, is so insane from, again, that Italian coastline on the train to burning bodies on the step. Like, the movie is very dynamic in what it shows. It's kind of almost like, in a way, Avatar, because you just get such a big range of environments and situations and things. You know, it's just, usually you just get, like, field or interiors. And it's like, oh, that's that's what it is. But no, this one's a, you can definitely see the production value. Like, we keep talking about the sets and everything. It's like, it's fucking. It's really good. The scale is massive. It's not just this crazy battle. You know, in Russia, oh, it's cold and it's open and it's a city. It's just like well, and the reason I think you're saying this is because like you can you can tell when it's a fake snow setting, but like the ability to like have the camera angle that fucking wide when you're filming on set in like a snowy environment, which there was less snow in real life, or I'm sorry, in this film than in real life, but still it gets the effect across. Um, It's really cool because when the snow blows, it actually blows into like a mist. Right, which it it does in reality, and it's not it's not like snowing necessarily, but it's still there. It's like a lot of films are like, in order for snow to be there, it has to be actively snowing. No, 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 it's bullshit. It does not, and so they portrayed that very well. And I'm pretty. So, do you know where they actually shot the winter scenes? From what I looked up, it was looks like it was in Finland, maybe. During the winter, yeah, I would. They assume. must have, because yeah, it says here um, production on um, production uh, shot in several loca- locations, including Finland uh, and Italy. Mm-hmm. So they must because the fit because that winter looked like a lot like up here, mm-hmm. and it's like so it must have been there. But like it, it, it was real. It was a real winter. Yeah, it wasn't fake. And snow. You see these guys like, yeah, exactly. You see these guys walking through actual snow and wind. That would have been and a production like, nightmare. I'm sure it would have sucked. Oh, fuck. Yeah. I can't imagine, like, just sitting out there for a half an hour, you're done. Oh, yeah. That would have sucked being, like, on the set. Yeah. But, uh, and the gear, too. Like, in 93, like, they were, just, like, Nate said, they were probably shooting on film. Yep. It's like, how the fuck oh, 100%, do you? yeah. Oh, man. So, yeah, it's, I loved it. Like, when they got to that point, when they were like, we're deserting, because that is actually historical. That is a fact. A shitload of the guys, if they got out from the encirclement, just were like, fuck it, I'm going back home. Like, I don't know what I, like, I'm dead either way. I'm going to try to go home. So, Brian? How many documented cases of guys escaping are there in the pocket? I don't know at all. Honestly. I could probably count it on one uh, hand. I don't know any. I would guess. You can. How many? There are two. Two. Wow. One might be fake. Hmm. One was from a guy who said right. he was from a flak unit or him and 20 other members from his unit struck out from the city and over the course of two months made it to the Hoth's Panzer Army, which you got to remember at the end of the siege, they were 250 kilometers behind Russian lines. Right. Like right. the expanse is fucking insane. That's me um, in the winter walking to where Mike lives. It's a that, literally, pretty like, bad. To, go, to go back, no, no, no. I'm saying to go back to Germany. I should have specified that. Like, in order to get back, it would be me walking to Mike's place in two feet of snow with negative thirty degree weather. Yeah, fuck that. How far the fuck? <laughs> how, how far am I going to get? <laughs> mm-hmm. 
<laughs> not very not far. Not even out a of bunch your of state. Italians that did it too, which is the crazy thing. They walked from fucking the Volga to Kharkov in some cases. Mm. Insane. Right. That's, a, but, that's um, nuts. Yeah. So, this, that, so one of them apparently made it back, and he was at a field hospital telling a story, and a mortar shell landed and blew him up. They think that might be a fake that was created by the the German military just to be like, look, people got out. The real one that they definitely <laughs> yeah. know happened was a guy. He was in the 100th Jaeger Division, which was a light German uh, infantry division. And he volunteered to be a translator. And he rose with a Russian unit and they got really close to the front line and he ditched them. And he was able to make it back to German lines. And he 100% is real. And he wrote a memoir and everything after the war and it confirmed. So there so really is one. There's really only one guy that did it. And he got, he mm-hmm. did get captured and he was able to finagle his way. Like, you know, with Russian help back yep. into it. But there was, they said that there was fighting at least until late March 43 in the y- city. Yeah. Because yep. there were pockets everywhere and stuff. And the Luftwaffe every day was looking for pockets and guys they could drop supplies to. And it's funny, in some memoirs, you'll be like, and Lieutenant Porco or whoever took four men and, and tried to make it out of here. And they took a vehicle and I don't know what happened to them. And now because history and everything, there's like some Soviet memoir and be like, towards the end of the siege, some fuckers drove in a truck towards us. We machine gunned them and then we took their watches. It's like, oh, that was the end of Lieutenant Porco where this guy and his <laughs> other memoir they wrote in the 60s has no idea what happened to them. And, you know, and it's like you can piece these things together. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, no, yeah, it it's fucked. Crazy. Like once they were once they were encircled, which they showed in this film, they were fucked. And even even days of encirclement. Yeah, and they they had um, I guess he was trying to play Apollos, right? The the general in this film, but he was like, "Yeah, they're they're doing this right now, and if they do this, which they're probably going to, we're all fucked." And he was completely correct. The German officers were great. The high command sucked so much ass. It's a lot like the French, and the, the Germans hate the French historically, right? But they're the exact fucking same because Paulo's asked for help so many times. They're like, we can't do it because of A, like you mentioned earlier, like the rail systems. We can't, we can airdrop, but like whatever. And they just let's, ignored him. Let's hold that because that's a whole conversation. And we'll put that right at the end before we talk about guns. But yes, okay, so okay, we'll, okay. We'll, we'll okay, get into okay. that because there's a sandwich. Yep. We'll, we'll okay. Talk about All it, right. I, I do want to talk about the, uh, uh, just a few scenes near the end. Like, I like like Brian was talking about little moments and stuff like that, like the air dropping of chocolate and iron crosses. And <laughs> yeah. Like I, I love that. Like unfortunately, oh, yeah. it's it's you know it's it's wrecked by Gigi's death, but like it's just it's just a very unique moment. I love the capsule that comes down because it's all yeah. vintage looking and everything. Like you never see that, you know. Right. And so it's just that was really cool. But then like you know, other than you know. The rape dungeon, like you know, the <laughs> yeah. the bottom which turned is out like, a lot know. better than I thought it would. It was more, I thought it was more realistic than not because, yeah, right. No, no, I I agree with you because that really happened. That that that, yep. that did really happen within. Oh, honestly. but like, ab- yeah, but, absolutely, yep. yeah. Yep. But like, but like, I I I I love like how he hoarded everything and how everything is just there and it's just like and how they all start feeling a little bit more human. Somewhat, but then you also still see the 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 breaking of of themselves. Like I love it when Otto is just whistling and putting on another yep. record after yep. he's broken it. Yep. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like I love that. Like like it's like that record died for that scene, but it was so cool. Like well, there's you know, a lot of them that were just. Shit. I love how he like reads it too. He's like, oh, 
Yeah. You know? Yeah. Oh, cool. Snap. It's a love song. Yeah. yeah. It's a, it's, if you, right. Yeah. If, yeah. The words it, it's, are, well, like, I love yeah. that. I just love like how like, um, uh, Richter's not Richter. Rolo's taking a bath in a wash tub saying like, all right, well, after the Lieutenant goes like who goes next? And like, all, like, like this, this familiar, and like, you know, Hey, the, the ace of clubs has like, yeah, it's Trump. That's a Trump, it, Trump card. Yeah, Trump, yeah, Cause they're yeah, playing yeah, like the Trump. Yeah. The, they're playing like Euchre kind of, it seems like, but it, that's an American game. It just seems game. really, it just seems really, really, it's just a very interesting take. If you don't see that in many yeah, movies, exactly. but it's an homage to the beginning of the film too. I'm sorry. What? It's an homage to the beginning of the film too, because it was like you're back in the yes. good time. This is what they expected. They made it to the Volga, you know. And it's like oh, until you get Russia. the fuck out of that mindset of like, okay, well, no, it's actually not that bad. Like here, we're just playing cards. So the whole reason why I bring up the scene is to ask Michael a question: Was he able to see the the wonderful timing of of uh, Otto's blood splatter? <laughs> it's the whole reason we have to talk yeah, about this. This I, is. This is historical, no, dude, like, man. Th- very rarely does any movie ever like depict that well. But anytime you gotta have someone blow their brains out, you gotta have the, you know, and all that. Right. So, but it's like you know, it's it's it is just. It's so off. It's not even. Yeah, it's biblically. It's, uh, well, you can tell that like the squib is in the chair. That they were just like, you know what? We're not filming this again. You get the idea. You know. Yeah. One one take. Imagine right? if it was the second like. <laughs> quicker though it would be also, it yeah the like, gun noise it just looks like he right, shits himself <laughs> <laughs> yeah so whoops it's a, it, a good a good over a second yeah delay. it's like uh yeah know, it's like it's like his head hitting the back is what set off the squib everything you know? up to it everything behind after it's great but the way right. the chair rocks yeah, right. and everything and they, well, the crates the are really of, bad too. The gun sound effects, like I, I think, yeah, his like movement, his movement is what set off the squib, <laughs> not the gun. So he, here, here's what it sounds like pulling a PO8 out of your. Go ahead, Mike. Jacket pocket. No sound <laughs> at all. Oh, weird. Yeah. Weird. Weird. But besides that, yeah. I might have to, like, take away the red in this scene. I'll just make it brown. Suck, start a P.O.A. Like and shat off the wall. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, like, yeah. seriously, it's like, I actually, and I hate the fucking movie, and we're going to have to do it eventually. Well, we'll do it soon, yeah. I guess. Is Full Metal Jacket, when Pyle nails himself in the head, <laughs> that is one of the most realistic spatters. There was no round going through chipping the tiles off, which would have happened with a 765-1. But... That the timing and everything was actually, and just the way it was like kind of ex, an explosion and not like a splat, I guess. That's one of the most. Otherwise, yeah, films fuck it up all the time. Yeah, one of the worst is in Downfall uh, when we do with that movie. That's that's another one of the worst. Yes, up there. Oh, the guy in the subway. Uh, yeah, he's it's like, bad. Uh, and like yeah. the, the he does it through the his the roof of his mouth, but then the blood splat is like behind his back. Like, what yeah, the and hell? It's, there's a lot of those in Downfall, like yeah. that I remember. Like, again, it's one of those things. Like, I don't care about it because the movie itself it's is so great, good. But like, yeah. I, yeah, it's you just yearn anyway, for a better um, depiction so, of it, right? So these guys, like that guy, he's just fucking had enough, mm-hmm. right? And does that, and now we get to the point where they're all kind of done, or not kind of, they are done. Did- 
I think the I think the ending is is very 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 poignant and very everything, and I'm glad it ended like that and not like they, they find a a, a a you know they someone like finds them and they're able to get out of there. Yeah, and they get captured or like they get gunned down. Like they don't get gunned down; they freeze. That to uh, well, that that last shot that the movie holds on with that, it's almost like that. Almost again, what I was saying that this movie is definitely you know trying to be you know dedicated i think to some of the german soldiers that fought in the war that final shot is almost like a monument you know it almost seems like a monument to the you know these guys sitting there go ahead brian if you think about it it's such an apolitical film too because up to this point everything when you talked about these subjects you had to have a heavy hand of just be like well you know nazis are bad and this that the other thing you know because the, the way that they rebuilt the german West German government, at least. And at this point, remember, you know, Germany as a country, East and West, is a very new concept. They're, they're still integrating. So, you know, the way the West rebuilt their government was honoring the resistance members, people in the July 20th movement and, and stuff like that. It just that's like, look, there were people that lived through these situations that said no. Um, but this film just really says people lived through these situations didn't say no and it fucking sucked and they need to be remembered too so it's so great how it's like these people fade you you go through all these horrible events and then the best way to to end it is just to have it end (laughs) you know like these guys just trying to get out just like so many thousands of these stories in russia did end not just at stalingrad but you know all all over the place oh leningrad was nasty as well cassie pocket Rajev, mm-hmm. the meat grinder. I mean, you know, there's tons of these fronts that were just, just really horrible. But um, it's just very interesting. So there's a few points I want to talk about. I'm going to do the history, and then we can go right into IMDb. Uh, German time. They kept mentioning that in the movie. I thought that was a really cool touch because that's something that you hear about, mostly in Eastern Front memoirs. But they would set everything to German time. I know that was the thing that you hear in Normandy as well, because French time was German time. So there was only one time in the German Empire. <laughs> it was whatever time it was in Berlin. So that was really cool to see. Um, the Russians were playing a very, 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 very cool song at one point while they're um, they're like across the street from each other. And I don't know if you guys caught it or not. It's not Katusha or anything. It's actually called Dark is the Night which is the best Russian front song ever. It's like a folk song about, you know, you, you're going to live a week, so who gives a shit? And how bad the front is and everything. And it's, I was really shocked to hear that. Um, let's see, what else? Uh, just the POW, I don't know. Again, I think her character was the weakest throughout the whole film. The female? That's the female, you know, it's like she's more of a plot device. More than anything Unf- else, especially Sex because she's German big. and Unfortunately, Russian. a lot of female characters in war movies are, you know. The, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, so. not not many times do you find someone uh, or some. How many times can you fuck another sniper? Yes, you're right. <laughs> this is, this is, this is. Uh, yeah, this unfortunately, female characters, they never really in war films usually never get like, you know, any kind of perspective. Right, you know, they're there for something the males to focus on. This is basically basically like Steamboat Willie too. Like, <laughs> and then in the factory battle, they had the one scene where they were like they moved the guy's tag, and they're like, "Oh fuck him, he's gonna die anyway," and goes away. 
That well, he is. is like one of those scenes where it's like, I think it's a little bombastic. Like, you think so? Yeah, yeah. Like he's just, dude. It, it's again. It's like this film's great, except for probably like three times. You're like, you're oh, okay. you you could die four ways: combat, your own guys, the elements, and the like being captured and all that shit. Really tall Russians. <laughs> he's fucked. Well, yeah. What? <laughs> right. The Shrek, the, the burned up Shrek coming at him. The, the tank battle. Look at that. Oh, the tank yes, battle is yes, great. There was yes. like, shoot the big guy. That that part where that okay. guy's lumbering forward, I, I didn't mind too much because like that's some of the kind of crazy stuff you hear from like the Battle of Stalingrad of just insane shit that you wouldn't even think about. An ogre out of a factory basement. <laughs> I mean, just crazy fucking shit like that, you know? So no one else agrees. <laughs> No, I mean, you know, <laughs> no, I agree, happened. but like, I'm still hung up on the dog tag thing being on like bombastic. Cause I don't, I don't think so. like you go, you're fucked, dude. Like, we're going to leave you here. You're fucked. You either get killed by our guys. Yeah, you leave you here, but like, why are you going to break his tag? That's just like, you know, that's, that's your dude. Cause he's fucked. Know. So that's somebody else's job. That's a, he's still alive. I don't know. <laughs> no. Okay. 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 But yeah, you don't break someone's tag. Like that's a. It also might have been like the last chance to motivate him, I guess, and then he didn't take it. And are we in the SS? I mean, no, fucking Christ, Brian! Like no, (laughs) Jesus. The SS were so hardcore. Now you have to know your blood group tattoo. I'm gonna rip your tag off. You die now. I guess he's a Viet Cong guy too. Yeah, but um, comment on the accent, but you already covered it, so we're good. So, well, the last thing to talk about before we talk about uh, the weapons is the history. And mm-hmm. like I mentioned earlier, you know, Stalingrad, just the name, evokes a lot of emotions. And it's a very misunderstood battle due to a million different reasons. But to put it just in, in broad terms, the Germans had already lost the war by this point. The Germans didn't have the manpower, they didn't have the ability, and they... The Russians had enough time to rebuild their military. Stalin trusted his generals enough, and they caught the Germans on a bad footing and were able to have this victory. It was a one-sided victory. The Germans were all fucked up. They didn't have their best footing with their military, and the Soviets were able to take advantage of that. It wasn't until Kursk where the Soviets for sure show the Germans that they are able to destroy them. But this battle just goes to show that the Germans... Missed the opportunity to knock Russia out of the war in the fall of 41 and the winter of 41. And that this was just a continuation of a campaign that couldn't exist. The Germans either could have gone for the oil in the Caucasus with one fell swoop. Or they could have gone for a northern wing to protect the Caucasus with one fell swoop. But they attempted too much with too little and overextended themselves. And that's basically the battle all summed up. On top of all that, the big problem in Germany at the time was that total war had not been installed. The Germans were still fighting a war with a civilian economy. And the big reason they were doing that was because the generals and the leaders had a fear of the First World War and how the economy had just gone to shit so fast and destroyed everything. They wanted to keep a footing that was mostly good for the public, but also were fighting the war. Stalingrad starts to happen. They know it's very going very bad this is november of 42 the german government needs a reason to convince the people that we have to go to total war the war is going bad they were going to do it anyway but this is the perfect situation to convince a war weary nation that you have to dig even deeper 
And that, yes, you might have memories of the First World War and the blockade and everything, but we have to win this. This isn't a campaign that's six months in France, six months in Poland, six months in Scandinavia. This is real war now. And by making Paulus a field marshal and wanting him to die in a stake and remembering the men of Stalingrad, and that doesn't happen, and that you can surrender an army and you don't have to die for the Fuhrer and die for the nation, this is the crack. This is the beginning of the end for Germany. So basically, the Soviets were able to win because the Germans overextended themselves just a little too much and weren't able to cover their losses because of previous manpower losses over the previous four years. And the Germans couldn't convince the Sixth Army to be their sacrificial lamb to buff up the morale of the nation to get really into the total war. So it's this massive turning point. And on top of everything, you have all these things. We can talk about the airlift and that one-third of all the JU-52s were in Stalingrad and everything. The Allies were now in the full swing in the West. Operation Torch was happening two weeks before Uranus even happens. Most of the supplies are getting sent to North Africa. Like, things are fucking crazy. So, everything just comes to a point where the Axis have already lost the war. And beginning of November 42, things just start to steamroll. And by February of 43, you have Stalingrad, the end of the battle, two or 100,000 German POWs. February of 43, you also have the Battle of Guadalcanal coming to an end. Over, was it, 50,000 Japanese soldiers die. And three months later, you have Tunisia fall, also known as Tunisgrad. So within six months, you have the three biggest turning points of the war. And the Axis can never regain the ability to win. But Stalingrad is the beginning of that. It's the first crack. It's the first time that they drop the ball. They don't have the manpower to regain anything. And they're just the end of their brittle spear. You got that shit right. That's basically everything summed up. And this movie uh, does a pretty darn good job of covering most of that stuff. And you're going to get a lot of shit in the comments. But for an overall summary, not bad. That's the truth. And again, it's such a misunderstood battle because... A lot of it's Soviet narrative where it's like, we let them get this far in the country because, yeah, we're, we was a plan. And it's like, no, Stalin didn't trust his generals. And the, they had enough space to bumblefuck for a year and a half to then yeah, but, yeah. regain their footing. And Shurikov held off long enough in the city for, uh, what was it, Zhukov to be able to build the reserves for the ring operations. Like, enough stuff happened. And, and like we all know, it's never – in war, it's either one huge thing – where, oh my God, it's a battle of Tannenberg and everything's fucked. But also, Brian, this is a, this a, is a 10 hour cuts. fucking podcast to go into well, details about this. That's why I said. Oh, well, that's why the battle is, you know, it's so well, misconstrued. And we can talk yeah, about it. Yeah, that's the thing is, it's, it's a 10 hour of like. Yeah, anyway. Because so, even when yes, this movie good. came out, the Russian Soviet, you know, archives hadn't even been really investigated yet and looked into. So even our narrative of the battle has changed over the last 30 years. Yeah, and they're all, the Soviet archives are fucked up but like uh go read some david glance (laughs) good overview Mm -hmm. for our purposes we'll say that we still have imfdb all right let's do it okay can you scroll (laughs) any fucking slower we don't need to see the (laughs) the the contents oh oh (laughs) come on 
You didn't have to say you. You had to open your mouth. I was going down. Now we're gonna get there normally. Yes, I always open my fucking cock holster and. Uh... <laughs> P thirty eight. Yep. Nice to see. Oh man, check out that face. Rookie Vish. Also, Vish. that's a repro helmet. But yeah, go ahead. The look on this face, man. That's like a reaction that I should use on Facebook or something. <laughs> when you wake up in the morning with no coffee. When you got the when you got the gluten shits. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually I should be okay don't curse me you fuck when you hear Mariah Carey Christmas no. music no so based on the size of a P38 that chick is tiny she's as a little thing yeah <sighs> tiny yeah saving your career one step at a time Brian the POA yeah <laughs> German officers usually meet that's a fallacy like who the fuck wrote this one German officers use combat uh, uh, oh in, in the film they usually okay I'm sorry yeah. Yep. Well, the problem the problem is with this is we go down. I don't like the pictures and I don't like what they used. It's, it's not. Yeah. You talking about this? The, the page. The MP. Dude. The page. Yeah. yeah they, they barely have any descriptions at all. They just name na- have the character's yeah. name. <laughs> ah, Otto. Yes. Yeah, the LP. They don't uh, even LP have a description. For that. <laughs> no. Michael, you know what you got? I do. know. I know. I've done it before. <laughs> Next time you get your nine to five. <laughs> Uh, MP40. I didn't see any of those. No, none of that. Not at all. They no did hold up like seventies fucking war films, like Patton and shit. They they had a lot, a lot of the same sound effects, but like also they they just held. Yeah, that. like you said, no no stocks extended. It's like that's what I did it's, love about Generation War is they used um what's his name used it like they were used, and mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah, so. splinter covers too. Just a little too early. Would they have any cover of any kind? They definitely would have them in 1942, but like again, don't very new. Really see them? It's, I mean, 43, they're all the rage, but this is just okay. They would have had like burlap or like hung, they would have had Hungarian covers. Okay. Yeah, you see a lot of those. Yeah, the because the Hungarians were there. You kind of see. Yeah, they're all those yeah. muzzle close up. I actually have a Hungarian cover. Nice. I bought a, it a legit ago. real one, like a, a World War II one. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. I like, those those are fucking rare as hen's teeth. Oh, yeah. Tons of these things. Apparently, they cut up some of the amoebas, too. Yeah, P-41, Papa yep. Show. It's very cool to see how many there were in this one. And that is recorded and documented. Yeah, you can see and photos I of it. I believe it because it's a far superior submachine gun to an MP-40, especially in cold. For an urban-style combat warfare, absolutely. Yes, yes. But again, a submachine gun's got its purpose, and that is its purpose. So that's why I think it's superior. And trust me, I love the 41. I will praise it. But my God, would I not want to use it if I had to hit someone like 100 yards out? I could probably hit someone. I don't like the drum. The drum is very much always in the way. The sticks are better. Veterans preferred the sticks, the ones I've talked to. Um, yeah, it was a yeah. letter to carry. Well, so you always have the six-inch pie dish in front of you. <laughs> But if you're in if you're in combat like they are right here in this picture, like you're gonna want the drum because it's less reloads. If you have to go, oh, into you a want house. the drum, yes, but it just it's hard. It's the same. No, no, no. It's it's like a bitch because the they're. Thompson. It's like earlier I was talking with one of my guys on Discord, like about an AK drum, right? I'm like, yeah, it's if you want to inflict a shitload of casualties, very close range, a drum is a good thing. You can rob a bank in North Hollywood. Here, here's the one thing. They're great. The drums are awesome, but you have to make sure you have ones that actually fucking work with your gun. That was the linchpin for the PBSHs, yeah. The that was ones. the problem with most of them. It's like you could 
pick up a drum, but who knows if it'll fucking work or well, work So was it like AK, AK drums where it's like you can load them once or twice, they'll work great, and then after that they start having problems? No, no. It, it, the problem it was is that like guns. it like the 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 machining on the drums sucked so bad. Yeah. That they were never all the same. Like so, like for example, like I've messed with forty ones where like I've tested like. 10 drums and only like two would fit into one and then i picked up another one and three would work or five or nine or eight or two like it just depends on the machining of the drum because i think it was i don't think it was the magwell with the 41s that was the problem it was the machining and the and the stuff for the drums that were varying and the problem was is that they they also had problems with like feeding and sometimes it would work well enough. Like pretty much the rule is, is that if you have a 41 and you get mags and drums for it, always mark them for whatever one they are. Cause okay. once yep. you find one that works flawlessly, it will work flawlessly. But it's the, it's the ones that just when you are picking up secondaries, thirds or whatever, if the magazine doesn't match the gun, sometimes they just don't even work. Um, one thing with these, with, PPSH 41s. Um, now, this I don't think this really has anything to do with performance, but one thing I have heard about them is that, I mean, guns are loud no matter what, but I hear that PPSH 41s are like insanely loud. Is that true? Insanely really? loud. Okay. Yeah. Very yeah. high velocity. Just, just round. because. Yep. Yeah, it's a high velocity round. It's a 7.62 by 25. You're also shooting at a high cyclic mm-hmm. rate. And if you're in a building, oh my yeah, God. Yeah, because I mean, like. Guns are loud it's no like, matter what, but I hear that oh. the, those ones specifically are like way louder than a normal submachine gun. I have been around that same one I talked about the Germans sliding into the foot into the lockers, like on the hobnails. There were guys running around with forty ones because uh, they that's how they got around not having MP forties. They they captured them on the Eastern Front, whatever. Those things are so fucking loud in the building. Mm. Oh my god, ring your bell. I, even with earplugs on, the concussion on them is so bad. Really quick, in this photo, I'm noticing those helmets are the correct Feldgrau. So, did they repaint them like halfway through, like production or maybe? What the? Because like, yeah, that's that's the correct hue. Uh, <laughs> and the guy on the left, it's not a repro; it's a fucking that's small. That's GG. Yeah. And it's a, a it's a really too. small helmet for him, and like that would not. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Carry on. A lot of the Soviet helmets looked very off. They the chin straps were not what? SSH forty helmets. What? That's a that's a, that's that's a helmet. Just, cover. He's got a cover on it. He's got a cover. Yeah. It just looks very odd. Yeah, so it looks like an FJ helmet, but it's it's just got a cover weird on it. Weird angle. And it's yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. I don't recall scenes. The Soviet helmets were shiny a yeah. lot. Like gloss, not not just shiny, a gloss. God, that was oh, that was so cool. Sexy. Yeah, that's so sexy. Oh, I don't recall any God. stick mags being used. Nope. No, I didn't see it. It's all drums. Yeah. And what I noticed about the K ninety eights is a lot of them did not have clearing rods in them, or cleaning rods. Nope. Yeah, none there. Like that. Yeah, like that one. Yep. Most yeah. of them in the film did not have those, and I was I like, bo- bo- "Is there a reason for that?" Because it's oh, okay. So I yeah, was, that, I was. Looking at the guy up there on his shoulder strap, I thought I saw a hook like right there, but that's his Y straps. Uh, I thought I saw yep. something else. Nothing in the chambers. 
Right, yeah. Yeah, every single one doesn't have a cleaning rod. You're right, Mike. That's what I noticed, and I'm like... Yeah. I know, I know. Yeah, a lot of, of guys would lose them or whatever, but like, at least one or two guys, I think maybe would have them. It's always one. The the Moisen the Moisin rifle, the, yeah. The Moisen the God, Moisen the God sniper, PU. It's not even a real is. fucking sniper rifle. It's fake. No, that mount is fucked. It's <laughs> yeah, right that, to the scope. it's and the scope, scope is the fucked scope. too. Yeah. yeah. Just Look make something that. that looks right and put it on there. That's what they said. They did. They use like See a. The they oh my god! They used a fucking PEM like repro mount with a. Sh- it's that. a civilian that, that's scope. Homemade. That's a civilian that's scope. That's like screwed into the side of a wood. Yeah, stick. that's like a Bushnell even... scope. I'm not shitting you. Like, look at the look, look at yeah. the uh, elevation knob. Oh no 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 no! It's a ZF four. No, it's not. It's a Dude, check ZF four. Look at the fucking knob. It's the elevation knob. Yeah, I know. It's a check ZF four. They had they had like the neural like the not neural but like uh what the fuck do you call that like the big texture? I don't know if that's a ZF four Brian it's, it's not ZF four variant for sure it's it's a post war uh, it's like a bush now like yeah a fucking wow yeah so that's not even huh okay that's not even wanna, close to being how a wrong PU. do you want to be it's definitely a and, it, and, and his rear sight's elevated up to like a thousand fucking meters so. If you want to get technical. Now, this is yeah, what why I mean do you by use the, the Panzerlauf image? <laughs> that's, why I, yeah. that's why it's annoying. The check ZF4. Yeah. No, it's not. Dude, the knob's the exact same. Look at the tube shape. It doesn't... It, it's the exact, the knob's the, the exact front. same. The two, it's, it's the angle that makes the tube look wrong. It's a check ZF4. Okay. All right. Whatever. I, I, doesn't matter. The knobs are the exact same. <laughs> Okay, the, the knobs. How scene. many scopes have those fucking knobs on them? Oh, okay. Wow. This is Brian's STG44 muzzle nut discussion. No, well, dude, yeah, Brian. Nathan, look you at, were wrong, but I'm right. Look That's at the, the fucking. <laughs> look at the up. fucking tube shape. How the how the like it, it comes yeah, up on both CF4. sides to be equal like. To check CF4. The, no, it's okay. Whatever. It You're an expert. Yeah. Oh my god, guys. Yeah, check. In this okay. case, it's check CF4. Check. No, it's not. It's look at the fucking tube shape. Look at the photo. Yeah, and I'm looking at it, and it's yeah, not. The tube, the tube shape on a check ZF4 is symmetrical <laughs> on the front and the back. This is not. It's the angle. It's the angle. There's, no, there's none of those, like, risers. That, like, it ha- I don't know the terms, but, like, it, it goes trying to find like this it. instead Apparently, of. Apparently, the two scopes, in this, they made two scopes in the world with the same exact knobs in the same exact location. And it's it's check ZF4. Oh, uh, I, I don't care about this apparently. fucking argument, but you, you're, you are incorrect. <laughs> I'm not correct, but I know That's you're incorrect. It's not. It is. It's I, not. I, uh, it is. You sent me the fucking picture. <laughs> it's not the same goddamn scope. It is. <laughs> the same exact scope. You sent everybody the same fucking picture. <laughs> yeah. No, no. It's. Oh, it is. Dude. Mike, he's he's from Connecticut. Look at the front of the scope. Just, Wait, okay, you even just have look at the front. scope. I do. I know. I don't. I have a fucking nineteen eighty or nineteen eighties or seventies ZF4 scope, and it does look like the picture you sent me because it's fucking the same size on the front and the back. It's a check this... ZF4. That is a check scope. It's the angle. Hold the hold your scope at this angle. It's not the angle. Mike. We're not gonna win. It's not the angle because you're you're both wrong. <laughs> the check ZF4, hundred percent. I don't. I. Nah. I'm going into paint. I'm going to circle this shit because I don't know how to fucking do it. Any... Just go grab your scope and look at the angle. I don't have a ZF4. Check ZF4. Don't tell me to go grab something I don't have. 
I also have a German ZF4. I, I don't have a Czech one. Same, so. well, that's the same exact scope. So it's just a Czech. No, it's not. A Czech no, it's made not. ZF4 and a ZF4 are the same scope. Oh. ZF, a ZF4 German does not have a, a side adjusting knob. Yeah, it does. I sent you a German no, scope not. in that fucking image. A Czech ZF4 and a ZF4 are the same scope. It's just, this is a post <laughs> Michael, Michael's, 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 Michael's doodling with something. Let's, no, I'm not, let, I'm not going to waste fucking time because it's, it's so let's retarded. Let's move on because we're going to, we're yeah. going to, we're going to Connecticut stubbornness is really yeah, it's, it's clearly a, a German scope. So. Okay, whatever. No, it's not. <laughs> Michael. <laughs> it clearly is a ZF4. Like, it's okay. fine. All right. It's, it's a ZF4. Let's move it on. You're a fucking retard. But like. At, um, that's fine. MG, MG yep. 34s are not pans. Those early ones or late ones? That's a Czech MG 34. Uh, I, oh, I'm fucking with you. Go yeah. ahead. I see the it's joke. Not. I was about to. I was about to, was about to argue you. Jesus Christ! <laughs> there is a thing of that. That's a Czech MG 34. There is actually. There is actually a Czech MG 34. It's just. I don't. I. This is the only time I see this. Th- I, I remember this thing was on the train. I don't remember it being used in the battle or anything. The forty-two. The 42? No, the forty-two it was on the train. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that at this point, they're brand new. They might have been, yeah. So they made it to El Alamein. I don't know if they made it to Stalingrad. Don't know. Well, this one probably um, didn't either because it was just on a train, the transport. So who knows? I think there is evidence of them actually being in Stalingrad, and I think they actually had a forty-two in one of the bunkers. I think they would have had the thirty-nine forty-ones, which is like a mini MG forty-two, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Oh. Oh yeah, the tank. Oh, the DT. Yeah. Which we yeah they kept like uh, mirroring the image. Oh, I didn't notice that. Just like <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's the wrong side of the hole, bud. <laughs> oh yeah, that's where the driver would actually be. Uh, right. Yeah. But that was late for ones. I don't know why they <clears throat> picked that picture for this, but yeah, the nineteen ten thirty. Yep. It's a little early for an SG. It it is, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's like the forty two. It's like a couple of them could have been there, well, but. I, well, Probably not. I think they were adopted like in the fall of forty three. You see them a lot in forty four. Yeah, but like go up, go up, Maxims. So the SG forty three was a yeah, it was the the thirty. So like the upgrades, like the forty three version of the SG, like maybe probably not, but like the this well, the other crazy the, one, which is the one that Nate couldn't figure out a few months ago. Um, this one I think it it I think they made it to look like a Maxim. Cause see how it has like this thing on. Yeah, the right shield, here? the yeah, and the and yeah, the, yeah. Well, no, the shield, but they also look but like the, the, the water hood, water but it's faked. Yeah, yeah. It's just yeah, a, it's yeah, just yeah. a pipe. That's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Because the bore diameter um, is way bigger than a fucking. Look like a bad Maxim from that angle. No. And grenades. Hey, look! They didn't use the the, the bad hole. one, yeah. Mike. They, they used the bad one at one point, though. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Training. Somebody, somebody that I know used it, but. <laughs> I had no choice, but that's a training one right there. That right there. Yeah, with the holes in it. What this one? The bigger bottom. Yeah. Oh. The baton racing he did. Yeah. The. uh, The. I did like seeing the tied up ones. Yeah. Bataladung. Yeah. Bataladung. The one in the movie looks different Tank. from that one, though. It almost looks like the back of a Panzerfaust um, warhead. Yeah, it probably was. Well, they, no, they, so those things are they're a shape charge, right? And 
by this point, even they realized that, and that's what Zimmerant, like the coating on the tanks, right. was made. The Soviets never used a magnetic mine. They would usually throw these two, even though they're very heavy. They would usually like kind of chuck mm-hmm. them, and they would like stick onto huh. the engine block or whatever. That's a yeah. It's a it's a half Panzerfaust. That's, like. that's a fucking yeah. That was like a mortar. It's just interesting because Mike. It's Mike different right. there. It is different yeah, it's from the, than it is right there. Yeah. It looks more like the back of a Panzerfaust. But it, I think there are a few different models. Okay. Of them. <laughs> it looks like a looks like a traffic Shit. cone. Yeah, it does, but it's literally half of a Panzerfaust. <laughs> yeah. That you look yeah. at it's a Klein ahead. So basically, if you took a Panzerfaust, just stuck it on the tank and fired it, that's, that's what it the would same be. Same exact concept. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Imagine someone doing that. A little hot jet of copper never ruined anybody's day, right? <laughs> they had a little smaller version of this that looked like a little Panzerfaust you would throw. Oh, it would hit the tank. Is that the thing with the with like the fin on the back? Okay. Yeah, you see the GIs are like, what the yeah, fuck? Yeah, I've seen what? photos of that. Yeah. yeah. It's always one of those capture items where they're like, what? There's a story from uh, the 12th SS where one of those was used in Normandy on a Churchill. This guy like put it on the side of the tank and was running away and it fell yeah. off. And he looked at his friends and ran back to it and grabbed it and held against the side of the engine bay until it exploded. I think I've heard that story. So, um, so the magnets, I think I might have told it here before, the magnets weren't the best. Well, magnets, bitch! <laughs> to reference <laughs> They all, they showed that in the it film. Fell off, he yeah. It fell off, yeah. He he puts it on yeah. there yeah. and it fall off. There's a you know the British um, 74 grenade, the sticky bomb, uh, with the, the the case that did they make it with GI socks? <laughs> <laughs> Don't even you fucking SPR fanboy. <laughs> um, but uh, um, there's great footage of in Italy of them trying to test those things. They throw it against like a an Italian tank uh, that's knocked out and it just falls right off the side and explodes. It's it's a fun concept, but they never worked very well. well they had those gamma grenades, too, that was like the bag. Oh, yeah, I've played Medal of Honor Airborne. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know about the gamma grenades. The, f- the Flammenwerfer. The oh, God, yeah. The massive explosions. You throw the mm. hacky sack in some guy's crotch and yeah. explode. It's the only way you can take yeah. out the tigers in that game. Or the or the or the armored MG forty two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The 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 SS with the, with the gas masks on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Often yeah. storm elite, I think, is what they're called. God, I love that game. Flammenwerfer. Uh, it was interesting to see. At least done well. Love the arrows on the show where it is. Yeah, it's right here. I do that ironically. Ding. I'm like with thumbnails and shit because I'm like oh look at all these fucking arrows <laughs> they do that for clickbait you know like uh, you know, notice this new thing you know <laughs> that's yeah. that's that's why yeah. I do it yeah it's funny or I think it is um, Black 38 uh, one of those sitting yeah, out there yeah just sitting there it's a prop it's not even real um, 45 anti some of these might have actually <clears throat> been things sitting around from the war that they you know put out there oh yeah. 100% it's a yeah. long boy. Yeah. Yep. Pack 38. I love those, those anti-tank guns. The key, dude, the amount that they missed <laughs> was from irritating. like five feet, five feet away, right there. <laughs> it, it, yeah, it's like, dude, at 500 meters, I can see that a bit, even though these guns were made to go out that far and actually penetrate mm-hmm. the sides of the fucking T-34. Even the 85, eventually, they could... In this film, it's like they miss every shot. I'm like, that's fucking retarded bullshit. It's a smoothbore cannon, like <laughs> it's just lobbing cannonballs, basically. Yeah. <laughs> yes. yeah. <laughs> but it's just like Jesus Christ. 
and they got to drag this fucking thing. It's like, no, leave it there. You're mm-hmm. done. You know you're done. Um, T-3485. Is this the tank that was in the Beast? Oh No, it's no, T-55 it was... or T-62. Oh, no, it was in, okay. it was in um, White Tiger. Yeah. When we that, have seen this? That I fucking... You ever seen that one? Yes, I have seen White Tiger. I think this is the one that was in there where the fucking weird guy... Where he talks, to, he talks to the Moose, he's, he's he's dead, yeah. His burns magically Sounds heal. Gay as hell. Maybe. No, I've never seen that. Oh, it's it's, it's, it's awful. A, it's Sounds a Soviet awful. film. It's yeah, it's like come and see, but worse. If you can imagine that. <laughs> oh, I don't want to. Yeah. Wouldn't want to imagine that. <laughs> but who wants to start? <laughs> Brian's tired. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I'll start because I started before. Um, So final thoughts. I think it's a very good movie and it does deserve the recognition that it gets. Um, It was kind of one of the first films to try and, uh, you know, pay tribute to some of the uh, soldiers on the German side, you know, of World War Two and such. And like I say, that final shot really drives that home. It's like, you know, you could see that being a statue or something, that image of those two guys half buried in the snow you know, as a sort of memorial to um, to these guys that went through this battle. And um, I think it's pretty, pretty darn good. I, I like most stuff in it. Um, obviously, yeah, it has some things in it that you can criticize. But for what it is, I think it's really good. I would give it an 8 out of 10. What's the matter, Nate? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> Ever, any, any score I give, you're just... I, 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 no, okay. no, no, it's good. So, it's, good. it's fine. Eight out of ten. It's fine. I'm, I'm glad it was an eight out of seven. So, I'm happy. All right. I'm going to pass it uh, to Brian this time. Brian, go in the middle. I just want to know what gets a nine in your book because I haven't heard a nine no, from you in forever. We haven't gotten there yet, you know? Yeah. I shall surprise you one day. <laughs> Baby, just wait, okay? Uh, Waltz of Bashir 2. <laughs> Hell no. Hell no. <laughs> that movie's great. You know it. <laughs> the, the plot for that one's currently happening oh so uh, yeah 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 <laughs> but uh also two the last boogaloo gaza strip but um no this is a very interesting movie you know and like we said earlier this is a very revered film um about a very revered battle and the film is now 30 years old which is crazy to think about um so it's nice to touch on it at this point in its uh history but um no, it's great. You know, it gets a lot of little things wrong if you really want to nitpick it, but overall it doesn't matter because it gets the feel of the battle and it really takes you on a journey of um, how horrible it was to be in that part of Russia in the fall of 42 into the winter of 43. So, you know, that being said, I easily give this film a 9.2 out of 10. It's just uh top five best German wartime experience films ever made. And uh, yeah, it's just, it's awesome definitely see it totally see it um and if you know it's very easy to find today too which is nice so just uh watch it that being said i pass it on to mr birch yep it's um very good even with its things that i bitched about whatever it's so good overall that those things don't matter as much to me Uh, as far as the history and everything yeah but you get two hours to do that and you Again, this is basically seven months of this battle, and you can't do it in two hours. There's no fucking way. But the 
two hours that they chose to do was good to an extent and then whatever. But um, yeah, to give the experience of the, the morale, like the mental state just deteriorating very quickly. And that's, I, I think, in my opinion, this is a reason why the Germans lost more quickly than I think they did on other fronts is because the morale was just like, oh, we're fucked completely. We don't have our guys supporting us, nothing. And it shows that in this film. Like, we're fucked. And you have nothing to work with. You have no food and all that stuff. So really good on that point. Um, the sound effects sucked. But, again, it's 93. They don't have all these effects that you and I have access to now. And whatever. But, like, um, it didn't detract from the fact that it was, like, showing the human experience in a war. And in the worst battle, again, in my opinion, of mankind. So, yeah, overall, the way they portrayed it and everything, um, I'll go 8-6 on this one. So, yeah, 8-6, definitely. Like, that's a high score. And it's decent. Highly recommend it. So, uh, just because we hadn't talked about it, I, I looked it up. They had a budget of uh, $20 million DEM, which I think is... Deutsch, Deutschmarks, like, yeah. Deutschmarks. This is about um, 90 cents. It made... Yeah. <laughs> no, seriously. Yeah, it, anyway, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, well, it, it made back ten million dollars. But it's about it was about ninety to ninety five cents depending on the day back then. Okay. So equivalent. So so that means that so that means they lost money then because if it's twenty million DEM and they only made ten million back then, right? Am I doing oh, so right? so their gross worldwide was ten their, million. What they spent was twenty million, and yeah. what they got back was ten. Do- so they uh, lost money. Deutschmarks. Okay. They lost money. Yeah, like 20, 20 DEM, and then they gain ten million dollars back. Know, I could see that though because it's not. I don't know. It's not going to be going to see with the family. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like it's. When it's did not. it come out? Is this a Christmas movie or is this more of a of a summer movie? You know, like. Also, it's like you know how how do you get people to watch something this intense? Because it, it that's the one adjective I could use to describe this film is it's intense, and. The fact that they made money back at all in those amounts is good. But, like, yeah, it's a very intense film. It's not, like, a happy-go-lucky whatever. It's just everybody fucking loses in this film. And people don't want to see that shit, unfortunately. They're seeing it in reality now. But, like, It's yeah, like Air Bud it or Stalingrad. <laughs> yeah. Where you going with? Well, this, well, this, this was released in, ni- in May, May 24th, 1995 in New York. Okay. Um, and you know, we also have to think about, this is also the German perspective. Yeah. I don't right. know. I mean, you know, we as history nerds want to see that we love seeing stuff in its original language and everything like that. And, mm-hmm. but to the common consumer, I don't think people would want to watch even in 95, a German army war film only in German. Yeah. It's really hard for a war film, like something like this to, catch on you know like be a hit you know mm-hmm. um, yeah so yeah. yeah that doesn't surprise me at all it's not a lot of platoons or sprs you know yeah yeah so this I, is 95 this is 95 so before the great spr onslaught 
So yeah, and like you know. they, they probably expected people probably expected to see like an old school war movie, like from the sixties mm-hmm. or fifties or whatever. And they Kelly's they got Heroes, this right, like a, kind yeah. of a humorous whatever. But like they got this, and they probably were like, well, the ah, name don't go lets see that. You know that you know. Well, it's not going to be a bed of roses. I'm sure a Giant lot of American audiences didn't even know what the fuck that was back then. I was yeah. just gonna fucking say that, and yeah. you're right because Stalingrad. Yeah, yeah Stal. <laughs> what? What? And that's probably the name too. Like, probably threw people off is because oh, I don't know why oh, it's a Winter War movie. I oh, no, I don't, don't want to see that. Like, there's a lot of factors into why it probably didn't make money immediately back. Yeah, and that that was that was something I forgot to to pull up earlier. I just wanted to lay that out before i talk yeah. into it i mean yeah. like everything's it's hard going last everything's been kind of business said i've been you know it, this this movie's hard to kind of dive in because i think so much of it is so good yeah there's nitpicky things that we've talked mm-hmm. about you know yeah there's um you know early 1990s film style that i could probably tear apart and rip apart but i i don't care about that i care about its interpretation as a whole and i i think it does a phenomenal job in in just really talking about a part of history that I don't think gets much attention prior to fucking snipers fucking each other. So um, I, I think it is very interesting. I love the dynamic of just the characters and the things and little moments that we've talked about. And, you know, again, this is a movie I can watch. I've watched 40 something times and I can still have on. Um, yeah, there are little things that have kind of suffered throughout the ages, but I, I I don't I don't hate it. So I think uh, just to keep it short tonight, I think I'm going to give it like a nine point two out of ten. Screaming Mel Gibson's. I I want to give it a nine. I nine point five. I even wanted to give it a ten, but the more I just looked at little things that have kind of grown on me to be kind of be like, oh okay. You could and you could have done it better even at that time. Right. That's what I got yeah. This time just a little bit. Yep. Just just yep. just just a little bit. But yep. again, it's not to be so nitpicky. Yep. A nine point two. Uh, 10 screw Mel Gibson's is very good these days, yes. it seems like, because we've had quite a run of shitty ass movies. Oh God! <laughs> this last couple months, so yep. <laughs> I don't think I don't think any of us have seen an eight or a nine in a little bit. Breath of so. fresh air. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, this is a uh... could be worse. David Bowie could be kissing someone <laughs> right now, so you know it's just putting all the scores into the. Uh, computer that will tell us if Hoth will be able to break through to Palace uh, at the department store, we get a score of 8.75 out of 10. So the answer is no. Do not pass go, pass the Volga, and spend 10 years in prison. If you're lucky. What was the score? Uh, 8.75 out of 10. So It needs to be higher. Uh, I doubt that. No, because again... We're getting softer Michael's fault if you on shitty somebody. movies, but we're also getting... Yeah, I do actually blame Michael. Thank you very much. He's the only one who gave it a fucking... How... I gave it an 8.6, and he gave it an 8. Yeah, but he... Michael gave it a square 8. Dude, it's a like, square if you give it a fucking movie. 9 or a 10, it, it can't be beat, and it, it can be yeah. beat. What's reveling here? Don't! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> weren't we trying? Weren't we trying to get Matt from Footbusters on? And he, uh, we said we could do. I think Mike was talking to him. He's like, you could do any movie you want. And he mentioned Reveille, and Michael was like, no. <laughs> yeah, I was like, yeah, we can't do that. We can't review our own work. So thanks for your time, guys. Happy New Year, and uh, we'll catch you over the next coming weeks. Got some really cool shit planned. So the best thing about the cold is you don't have to worry about the sunburn.
Dun dun dun. Thanks for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to leave a rating. Otherwise, Mel Gibson won't stop screaming. If you like this content, make sure to check out our Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram pages. If you want to directly support our work, make sure to check out our Patreon. All these links are in the description below. Until the next time, Scuttlebutt out.